right now. Let everyone in the listening audience grab their scriptures, a pencil, and a piece of paper. Listen and learn the true meaning of the Old and New Testament of the Bible, the Psalms of David, the Lost Book, and the Holy Quran. There are no more secrets. All false things will perish. So come and learn the undisputable teachings of the only man that has the answer to the problems of a troubled world, as Sayyid al-Mamaisa al-Hadi al-Mamaisa. Mechanism of his father goes to the 
Lord unto Satan, said unto Musa, alayhi salatu wa salam, Moses, saying, Speak unto Bena Israel, speak to the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am Adonai Elohim, or Yahweh Elohim. I am the Lord thy creator. Alright? Now what did he say? After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. Don't do the things that you learned while you was in Egypt, Israel. Don't act where those people did not have any laws on male and female homosexuals. Don't forget that Caesar and Mount Anthony and them, homosexuals from Rome, homosexuals from Greece, invaded and mixed into the culture. And in fact, when you look at the average Egyptian today, when you look at light-skinned or male Egyptians, you're not looking at the original Eswanin, you're not looking at the original Nubians, you're looking at Greek invasions. When you look at most of the men reciting the Quran today from Jephthah who have mixed their genes, they have mixed with Greeks. And Greeks are no homosexual society, historically. Don't pick up the things or the habits that you learned while you were in Egypt. And, go ahead. And after the doings of the land of Canaan. And don't pick up the things that you learned when you lived with those Canaanites who also indulge in all forms of bestiality, having sex with animals and caves and such. Then it goes on, whether I bring you, shall ye not do, neither shall ye walk in their ordinance. Don't keep their ways. Don't walk in their ways. Go ahead. You shall do my judgments and keep my ordinance. You shall do what I pass off as law, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and you shall walk in my way, sunnati, to walk therein. I am the Lord, thy creator. You shall therefore keep my statutes. And my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord, thy creator. Seal. He makes a statement. Then he goes on to tell you what not to do. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to what? To uncover their nakedness. Uh-huh. I am the Lord, thy creator. If you go back to Genesis 9, go back to Genesis 9, instead of going to 25, Go before 25. Let's say Genesis 9:22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. Now, it's not most, Ham, male kin, and was it not forbidden according to Leviticus 18 for him to look upon the nakedness of his father to uncover him? Verse 2 says after that. Or before it, in fact, told you he uncovered it. It's still in Genesis. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And what did they do? And Sham and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and, and covered the nakedness of the father. Notice that they came in and they covered Noah's body. Why did they do that? Why didn't they just make fun of it or make a joke out of it or entertain wicked thoughts? This was a part of the law, the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the book of Leviticus, because it's set in position after the book of Genesis, that is not how it was revealed. You follow? But now go on and see what he says. None of ye shall approach to any that is near kin to him who uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. I am the creator of it all. 
He makes a sin for men to look at naked bodies of other men. And especially for the near kin, for one man to look at another man's body. For Ham to have him and saw his father naked, he should have back in not looking and did what his other brothers did, covered up his nakedness. Go on and see what it says. The nakedness of thy father, or the nakedness of thy mother, shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. You see? This is the same proof that if we continue on into it, we'll tell you that it is a sin. This is 18. Go right to 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself. In Egypt, men and men slept together. And in Canaan, they slept with animals, with beasts. Bestiality. So here in Leviticus is giving you the format that they gave you in the beginning of Leviticus chapter 18, where they told them, and after the doings of the land of Egypt, which is like 22, a man not to lie with another man as if the woman, then it says, the doings of the land of Canaan. And then watch the next one says, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there too. It is confusing that when the Amorites or the Jebusites, original tribe of Canaanites, was in the mountain, they laid with beasts. Like we said, bestiality, the Bible says it. And when in Egypt, the people of ancient Egypt, who got influenced by the Greeks, performing all forms of homosexuality. Then he goes on to tell you that this is a sin, and as we read on, what does it say? Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. See that? And who are the nations that he cast out before you? The sons of Canaan, whom they took out of the land of Canaan. Right? Because he right. says in Genesis 24, he says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that rule over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand, Upon thy thigh, thou and Huku, which is a symbol of humbleness. And then what did he say? And I will make thee swear by the sustainer, the creator of the heaven and the creator of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. You hear that? He was telling him not to marry amongst the Canaanites, but to marry amongst his own family, not to mix thy seed with the Canaanites. Go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Again, he is telling the family of Abraham not to marry into Canaan. So we have brought these plagues and diseases, syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes, and now the spread of AIDS, because we are violating the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his statutes and his standards. We're indulging in all forms of homosexuality. We're indulging in all forms of bestiality, fornication, abomination, and we're bringing the wrath down upon ourselves. Don't let a homosexual tell you that nowhere in the scripture has it been declared that it's a sin to be homosexual. I just read to you in the book of Leviticus where it says it is a sin for a man to lie with a man. This is a sin. This is where... Age is it's not just sexually transmitted, transmitted through the blood, like the Vedicus just said.
world is at a point where it's about to destroy itself, and all you all can think about is the next record you're going to buy, the next party you're going to go to. You may learn, get in here and learn that Arabic language and learn how to pray and to transform yourself from mortal to immortal and stop jiving because you don't have the time you think you have. You better stop wasting time. The spirits are descending. There's demons walking the earth with you every day. They just call themselves punk rockers and another but demons incarnate. They don't put on that makeup. That's how they look. I'm serious. They didn't put the thoughts in white kids' heads so they can start their hair up in the end, all kind of weird things where you won't know the real demons from kids emulating them. It's a serious thing out there. They spread diseases. I'm telling y'all that there is no cure for diseases of death. Men in that room know what I'm talking about. Especially you men who can't control yourself. It sees every woman as somebody you should lay up with. They got diseases out there that will kill you dead. You know the sad thing about it? Every woman you meet, you don't know who she laid up with. If this ain't the same woman you've been known for seven years, you taking care Because she don't know if the guy she was laying up with was a homosexual six years ago and became a man because he saw the right movie. You don't know. And this is what you're left out there to marry. And that goes for the women also. You don't know which one of those guys was a, a homosexual six years ago and now an age starts, he straightens up. He was a closet princess six years ago. Now all of a sudden he's macho man. You don't know if he got AIDS living inside his system. Do you? Do you know? Only people you can count on are the people that you've been laying up with for six years. And how old would that make the average one of you brothers? How old? If you have the same woman for six years, the average one of y'all would be at least in his late 20s, correct? Correct. You should be at least. Anybody under that, you better be careful. And they ain't even trying to find a cure for it. Don't fool yourself. Because they created it. AIDS didn't fall out the sky. AIDS was created. AIDS is a conspiracy. German warfare that got loose. You wasting time. I don't know what to say behind that. No, um, my, my question uh, relates to uh, chronology in the Bible. And uh, I'd just uh, like you to clarify some of the, um, uh, the dates regarding BC, AC, ACD, BCE, and uh, things of that nature. Oh, and the other thing is uh, where, when they quote a date and they, and they say BC, they say they'll, they'll write uh, 1056 or 1056. And as the numbers descend, it's my understanding it's getting closer to the what they call the AD era. Now, just for uh, the clarification, really, I mean, how how do we decipher? How do I decipher these uh, uh, these dates and, and, and get a clear understanding of what's happening here with this BC, uh, AD, they, ACD, and so on? And so what on. the Romans and the Greeks did, who were ruling the world at the time, right? They did not believe in Christ, as they call it. Yet they used his birth date as the date one. See the contradiction? They yes. didn't believe it. When they say A.D. Anno Dominus, yes. right, they mean after the death of Jesus. When they say B.C., they mean before Jesus was born. When they say B.C.E., they say before the Christ is era. The Christ era means before the book of Daniel and Isaiah wrote about a Messiah coming. That's B.C.E. Okay. A.H. is when you get past Jesus up until 570 years after him, when Muhammad was born, okay, and then in the year 622, he established a new calendar, which was the A8 calendar, based on him migrating from Mecca to Medina. 
And they call that the A8 calendar. That's a lunar calendar. So you end up with like three different calendars. You have the Judaic calendar from Adam all the way down to Isaiah and Daniel and them. When a new period came in, they instituted a new kind of calendar. It went down to Jesus. When Jesus was there, the Romans took and made a new calendar and went back up to Isaiah and them about the crisis era. So you end up with, again, Adam's calendar, which would be from the birth of the prophet Adam all the way down to now. That stays the same. Is that 1,988? So 1,988 would be 1,988 years from Jesus, who became the year one, which was 4,000 years from Adam. I follow you. Okay? So that puts us 5,000. I'm sorry. Short. We're very close to 6,000 years. Yeah, I follow So if we came straight down from Adam, it would be 6,000. Where we base it around the Roman calendar, start from Jesus, it only becomes 1,988. They did all this with its hopes to confuse us. Okay. Uh, one other thing uh, re- regarding uh, the A.D. It says uh, on the back of this Bible here, it has a, a listing, a chronology, and uh, it has Jesus born in A.D. 7. I'm looking for it here as I'm speaking. And at the same time, at the, uh, at the uh, it has a... B.C. 4, I think it says. Let me get it right here. Right. The reason why, right, Jesus now, was born, you're right, in 7 A.D. Yes. And the reason why they say B.C.E. 4 is because certain churches believe Jesus was born in the year 4 because they didn't do the calculation of the death of Herod. Had they did the calculation from the death of Herod and when Jesus had returned back from Egypt when Herod died, right. they'd be able to calculate that he was born in the year 7. But when they just came along, they first said he was born in the year 2. Then they said, well, they proved it could have been 2 by the eclipse because they said they saw the star, and that was, you know, an eclipse, but it must have been 4 when they had an eclipse, and it comes down to be 7 A.D. He was born 7 years after he was dead, according to them. Yeah, right. That's, that, 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 that's what I found confusing. Yeah, yeah. well, it meant to confuse you because here's what they do. Yeah. They say Jesus was born 1, I watch this close. He was born 1 what? B.C., 1 before he was born? Or one A.D., one after he was dead. They didn't know. So they got an area running between 4 B.C. and 7 A.D. They got almost 12 years caught up in there. They don't even know because they did not go to Egypt, find out in Egypt when Jesus arrived there with his mother and father, how long they stayed in Egypt, and then they came back to register at the ledgers in Jerusalem because it was time for the preparation of Passover. They had people, the census, make a ledger. So they would have got the date that he had got back in. They could have timed that by the date that he left as a baby, and they would have knew how old he was. They would have knew what year he was born, which comes out to be seven. They have another listing here, A A U C. Then they have the word uh, the, uh, the year 750. Uh, it says the following table made and making matters clear. I don't I don't see how they can write that. Which means they created their own table to clear things up. The following table is made. They so it's like them saying, okay, according to our Greek version of it. This is what we got. Amen. Well, just a minute, please. Uh, but they have here this A, U, C as uh, Annos, Urbis, Condinus, or something of that matter. It's, it goes to Latin on you yes. and say that this is before Jesus' conception. That's what they mean. Okay. But then they're arguing about the nine months that Mary was pregnant. They, they get into things like the, the date of conception or the date of birth, the day when he was actually delivered or the day that he was conceived. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know, like I said, because they won't take the simple method. They won't trace his life. And that's because they don't want to find out. They really don't want to find out when Jesus was born because it contradicts their doctrine. So then the true calendar would be Adam's calendar, is that, that correct? That would be the true calendar calculated from Adam straight down. 
So uh, that would put us in the year 5,988. That's right. Okay, thank you. Um, is it sort of like a man's goal to become perfect as Adam was in the beginning? Or is that is that's not possible? That depends on what you mean by perfect. You know, it does tell us in the Quran that we are supposed to aspire to become balihin. That we should work to perfect ourselves and excel people in al-haq, which is reality, and al-sabr, and to be patient. It tells us to work for something happy, to make ourselves perfect beings, right? But that is only so we can prepare ourselves for the transition from human nature back into an angelic state. Because this is what Adam was originally, an angel. This is what Jesus said he was originally, that I came down from heaven. And that's where I'm going back to. He had to send it down, and I'm going up. Jesus was an extraterrestrial. Christians just are trying to make him a God of earth, and he was telling them all the time, my spirit came from another dimension. You can call it what you want. He said, those are the earthly, are earthly, and those are the spiritual, and spiritual. Those from up there, from up there, and those from down here, from down here. Down here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us through the guidance of his prophet, mainly the seal, Muhammad, to try to be to perfect the way we live and Jesus said right before Muhammad that the first stage of that is to learn to love one another as I love myself we as people got to learn to love each other the way we love ourselves then we can start to perfect the way we live but our goal or I should say your goal is to become angelic beings again by the time you reach the next realm you should have transformed yourself from a mortal to an angel. Luke 20:36 to tell you that. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. He's talking about at that resurrection. Jesus talking about. And remember, he said he is the resurrection. Correct. And even in Islam, we're taught that Father Rasulullah Muhammad, after Rasulullah Muhammad comes, then tells the Messiah Jesus will come at the end of the world to save the world. That's what it says in Islam. It teaches that. Muslims try to hide that. And it tells you when that resurrection state comes, man is going to have a transformation period. He'll never die again. He'll be transformed from mortality into immortality. You will become angels again. My whole doctrine is like the doctrine of the Essenes. The Essenes study the nature of the angels. I am trying to teach you all to take yourself from this stage of human nature to the next stage, the angelic being, so you can make that transition. This is what it's called for. If you don't, those that are mortal will go down with the world. Those that are spiritual will make the transition from this state to the next. The hardest thing is to try to get y'all across the bridge of mortality over into immortality because you love the things of this world so much. And the things that I'm trying to give y'all are not of this world. They are from the Father. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And I am now trying to put that Father that's in me inside you so that you'll be in the Father and that we all will be one in the Father. And then you will enter back into the domain of heaven. Without that, you are earthborn and you will be cast into a lake of fire and sulfur with the devil because you love him and you love his image and you bow to the things that he offers you as opposed to the things that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us. And the thing that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us is salvation through love. And we cannot be individuals and love. Love is an outflowing force. And it has to interlock between beings. Everybody in that room has got to learn to love each other as much as they love themselves. 
You got to be able to look in your brother's eyes when you talk to them so that you have a sincere expression. You got to learn to feel people from inside out. You got to learn to care again. And that will be the first stages of suppressing your mortality. It is your mortality, your mortal being, your physical being that renders you such a carnivorous, self-centered, egotistical creature. But it's the Almighty who put his breath in us. In the beginning when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he blew into man of his spirit. Or he said the word became flesh and he put the spirit into man. That was angelic energy that is dormant in you. All I've come to do is to turn that, that light back on and let that light become the life in man. So that when I see you, I see the prophets. And when I see the prophets in you, I see the angels. And when I see the angels and the prophets in you, I see the heavenly father manifested in you. And that will only be out of your love. Because it's out of his love for us. It's out of his love for the world that he keeps sending men into the world to try to teach you. It's only because he loves you that he sends his sons down to earth that they could suffer and some even die for you so that you could be saved. It's called love. You have got to learn to sacrifice. That's what it tells you. When har, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, inna atinaka al-kawtar, fasalli li rabbika when har, inna shani akal hu al-abatar. Surely, we have given you Al-Kawtar. Your cup is running over. Abundant. So worship is for the sustainer of the boundless universe. And sacrifice. In the Afinat Al-Kawtar. Surely, Athena, we have given you Al Kotar. Your cup is running over. Abundance. So worship is for the sustainer of the boundless universe. When her and sacrifice. In the shiny abatar. And you know what? All those evil things will be abatar. Cut away from you. They will not be able to touch you. So it's only by you people learning the true art of love and concern and consideration and appreciation for each other. When you touch a person's hand, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you look at a person's eyes, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you redevelop this, you're on the stage of transforming from mortality to immortality. As long as you're an individual living in your cubby hole in some part of the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, or Queens, feeding your face and caring about yours and yours alone. When you see a bum on the street, you're supposed to give to that bum because that bum is really you. And remember, we have sent angels to you many times in many forms. And a lot of times, an angel walks up to you in the form of a bum to see how compassionate you are in heart. And you say, get away from me. All you're going to do is buy some whiskey. Who are you to make that decision that he's going to buy some alcohol with it? The Almighty sends angels to you to test your compassion. You understand? Assalamu alaikum. Um, Mamisa, what was the fifth veil that Michael the Archangel was under? They're speaking about the plague that would come at the end of the world. Each veil holds one of the vials of the seven major plagues. All right? Mikhail is called the fifth because Jesus, as it was like Jesus, let me run it down. Adam, one. Right? Um, Noah, two. Abraham, three. Ishmael or Isaac, doesn't make a difference. Four. Moses, five. 
Jesus, six, Muhammad, seven. Each one of the seven major prophets. Each one of them represents one of the seven major seals of the book of Revelation because each one of them brought a revelation to the world. The reason why they likened Michael to five is because in the book of Daniel, Michael is a warring angel that defends all Israel. You follow that? Can you repeat that once again? You have seven major prophets from Adam to Muhammad. Uh -huh. And you know their name. Yeah. Moses is the fifth. In the books of Daniel, whenever they speak about the angel Michael, he's always associated with the children of Israel as a defending, warring angel, the head of the archangel. You understand? I understand? That's the fifth veil. Then after that, Jesus came. Michael did not come with Jesus. Gabriel did. And then after Jesus came, Michael was sent to signify the teachings through John. The father of Jesus. So everybody would think that Michael was Jesus when he came, but he wasn't. He said, Jesus said, I'm sending my angel to you. He's sending Michael to represent. Because that they were expecting Jesus to be a warring angel to smash Rome and put Israel on top. And he didn't do that. Okay? Okay. Salaam alaikum. Shukran. Well, I have a question. In terms of um, a person's soul, how do you strengthen your soul? The thing about the soul and being strengthened is a very strange kind of question, believe me. It's a good one, though. Because in the Bible, in Genesis, we got to acknowledge that the soul we have came from the Heavenly Father. We really can't strengthen the Heavenly Father. We can increase the amount of His presence in our body by decreasing the amount of things that we worship and desire. Because He said, I blew into man of my spirit, and man became a living soul. You see what happened? Mm -hmm. So He took a physical body, and blew his spirit in it, and it developed his emotional body, which we interpret as soul. Then what we did, once we became a being that had body and soul, we started taking in impressions from a wicked being that stimulated our desire center and made us desire more things of this world than the world to come. And that's why Jesus kept saying, my things are not of this world. Start looking for the next world. But a way to strengthen the present is not by strengthening it, it's by increasing it. By increasing the divine in you, the good that you do. And every time one of us gets close together, there's twice the presence of the mm -hmm. Most High. And that's how. Mm -hmm. We are strength. And the more of us that get together, the more powerful we are. Like I said, we tore down the walls of Jericho just out of our unity. To see which men are developing the discipline necessary to regain the right to be in the presence of the Most High. Mm -hmm. So when they say it's a spiritual growth, the spiritual growth is coming from the discipline. Being mm -hmm. able to have access to food, but don't eat it. Mm -hmm. To have access to a loving wife and don't have sex. Mm -hmm. To be thirsty and don't drink water. You know why? Because these are the gifts of the Father. All the other stuff they add in was the devil when they say, and Muslims don't smoke in Ramadan. Mm -hmm. Muslims don't smoke at all. You know, they don't smoke in Ramadan. Then they have another stupid witness Sunni say, and don't use foul language in Ramadan. Muslims ain't never supposed to use foul language. How are they going to use that? So the devil always gets in there. You see what I'm saying? So Ramadan is, it is a focal point on the physical part of man for man to show that he loves and will obey the Creator up and above his own desire. That is a point of Ramadan. Yeah. Man. Um. My other question is, in terms of the, the spiritual discipline, how do you go about it? Where do you start? 
we've had time. I, I remember um, another question that I asked about a year ago in terms of my aura. Um, I've never seen it as strong as I saw it at that one point, and I still haven't learned how to control it. Okay. In a hospital, I use these things that you have to see them. In a hospital, if I walked up to you and you were bleeding, mm -hmm. now you're bleeding, and I walk up to you in a suit and a tie, a black suit, white shirt tie, and I say, uh, give me a needle and thread, I want to sew this lady up here. What would you say? No. You'd say, wait a minute, are you a doctor? Mm -hmm. And I say, yeah, I'm a doctor. Now, but if a white guy, and, I, and this ain't white or black, this is just any person, if he walks up to you in a white suit with a doctor's symbol on it and said, give me a needle and thread, I want to sew this lady up, you wouldn't question Step one there is the mask that the actor wears should be coming face. In order for you to get the full spiritual benefits, you must get the physical thing organized. And I say that because a lot of people like to say, the Almighty only has what's in your heart. And I say, oh, yeah, but if he didn't care about what's on your outward appearance and what you take in, he wouldn't have put them in books. He would have put it in your head. He put the revelation and the scriptures in physical things, and he named it two things. He called it kitab, which means to write, and he called it ikra, or Quran, which means to read. Which one must we do first? We must write, write what we're going to read. Okay. So therefore, there's certain things that we need to write. For instance, in your right hand, you're holding a pen. Mm -hmm. And you need something to write upon. Mm -hmm. These two things come from the physical world. Mm -hmm. Once we get what you're thinking from the spiritual world transformed onto paper, then you're utilizing the spiritual. But where did you start from? You started from the physical. You understand? Yeah. That's how he expects us to be. He expects me and you to get ourselves together physically, to prepare ourselves. That's why he told Moses, take off them shoes. This is holy ground. You see what I'm saying? In other words, to get the full benefit of what you're supposed to do, you're going to have to obey the law. You mm -hmm. can't evade the law. And in the law, there's a dress code, a living code. Jesus said that. Not one jot, nor one tittle shall be removed from the law. Mm -hmm. But we don't want the law. We want to go straight to the spiritual aspect without the law. He told me we can't do it that way. We've got to do it the way it's been prescribed. No alteration. So the problem you're having with getting further and further spiritually is you got all the tools except total submission. Mm -hmm. Total submission to the will of the law. You want to somewhat submit or work your way into it. And he doesn't bargain. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to bargain with us. <laughs> he put it in a book because he wanted you to get the physical part first, then read it, and understand what he's trying to tell us to do. And if you got this desire for the spiritual, that means that there's a spirit knocking on the door trying to get you into it. That's your interest in it. But you got to meet him more than halfway. Because he met me and you more than halfway. Aren't you healthy? Mm -hmm. And that's a gift nowadays with all the people that are not healthy. So he cared a heck of a lot about you as an individual. Just it's all working limbs, all work, your eyes, ears, and everything is working. He gave you already 75%. He's asking for 25 And we can't wrestle with him with it. We've got to submit. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of us believe that we could do a lot more from the outside than the end. I got things I want to finish in the world first. I got my family I got to take care of first. I got to finish my education first. Who are we talking to when we say this? You're not talking to me. You're not talking to the book. We're talking to the Heavenly Father. We're saying to him, Heavenly Father, I understand what you said I should do in the scriptures, but I got things that I got to finish doing on earth first. And then I'll be ready to totally submit, then can I come to heaven? 
That's what we're really doing. We're bargaining with him, and we're not in a position to bargain no more. We were in a position in the garden. That's why he confronted us and said to Cain, uh, where's our brother? He didn't have to. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? What did he tell them, though? That he knows the day that you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. But when she bit the apple, what should have happened? But did she? He was compassionate. Jonah, he said, Jonah, go to the Babylonians, to Nineveh, Shemar, and teach them. Jonah said, I don't want to. Jonah got in a boat and tried to hide from the Heavenly Father. The people on the boat said, Jonah, I hope you can swim because we're throwing you out of here, Junior. Throw him in the water and a whale spit him out where he did not want to go. Is that compassion? The Lord, the Messiah, Jesus, said, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass by me. In other words, he's saying, oh, believe me, my spirit is really willing, Father, my flesh is not, I can't deal with these nails. You Help me. And he delivered him from it. Is he not compassionate? Mm-hmm. He has altered prophecies at times. Altered destiny. Interfered with the flow of nature for man. Because ain't no whale can harbor no person in their body. The acids in their system would kill the person. But instead he prepared a whale for Jonah. A catchword is in there. He prepared this whale. This is a special fish because the almighty all did the very molecule structure of nature to make something happen specially. He destroyed the whole world, but he kept the root of man because he did it with water so that all of the fish, which are the mothers and fathers of mammal, would still survive. With all that he does, there is compassion in what he does for us. And then we try to bargain with him. I'm going to become Muslim soon. I'm going to take my child. I just got a few more questions I want to ask. Because he ain't asking me no questions. Because all I'm doing is quoting the scriptures. He's just saying, Lord, I, I want you. So far, things look good. That guy, uh, that guy, the new, that new one, the Imam Isa, he's doing good. I like the way he does it. I like this one. He did a good job. Now, if you, could, if you can solve these last four questions a lot, I'll be in. <laughs> this is what y'all are thinking. But you don't realize you're thinking like that. You don't realize it. You're saying, you know, I got you, my mother's sick. You understand I got to take care. Like, he don't understand your mother's sick. You know, like people say, my mother, you know, she needs help. Like, he don't understand your mother needs help. And they don't realize when they think, when we're, when, I shouldn't say they, when we're thinking like that, we're blaspheming. Because we're underestimating the power of the Most High just by saying, but I love my wife. I can't leave her. Like, he don't know that. I want my wife to convert to Islam. And I think that if I stay out in the street with her two more weeks, or maybe four, I might be able to convert her, like he don't know that. So in one respect, we're saying, Almighty, all-knowing Father, who knows everything that's in our hearts, who knows the secrets of our aspirations, right? It's you I obey, but I got one more thing to do. I know you understand when I do it, and that's make sure I get my college degree. And that's what we do. Now, here's the men's biggest con. For you sisters sitting in there. I don't want to come in the mosque with nothing. I want to make sure when I come, I got something. Because I want to offer something. Because I don't want to come in and take away. Brother, stop lying. You're using that as an excuse to stay in the street. And you know you're using it as an excuse to stay in the street. Because there's nothing you can bring we don't really have. The only thing, I think, the only thing you can bring that we don't have is those Dunkin' Donuts. That means you. Everything else we already have. And all you can do is help us get stronger in what we're doing. So stop buying time. And making excuses because there's going to be a day when you're going to be questioning. Because you're not evading me. 
You know what? I'm not going in. It's not my community. I'll tell you the truth. I was, I was sitting out there in the classroom, so I'd have to make the decision. And I believe if I was sitting, I'd probably be making the same excuses. I ain't going in there yet. I got some things I want to do. First, I'm going to get it together in about six years. In fact, some brothers say, when the world going to end? They say, about how many years? 2030? Okay, I'll be in 2029. And 350 days. You can't play that game because it ain't real. And I'm telling you, that bargaining with Allah, you're going to be sorry on the judgment day. Because you you're making a pact with him like the devil did. The devil said, you spite me, watch me to the day of judgment. Making an excuse for judgment day. And Allah said, you got it. So every time you say that, you know who you sound like? When you say, I'm going to come in, just watch me, Allah, I got to get it together. You sound just like Iblis when he said in the God. He told Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, watch me until the day of judgment. Because I'm going to prove to you that man is not worthy of your presence. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're making it look that way. Because we're going along with the devil. We know we like the things the devil produces. Tell the truth, don't we? Mm -hmm. All of us call ourselves righteous Muslims. But they take that color television out your house, you sit on the floor and cry like a baby. You took my, took my video. You took my tape recorder. If you can't turn the BLS, you'd have a, a nervous breakdown. I mean, not everybody. This don't apply to everybody. But this does apply to somebody. We got some things that the devil has offered us that has the best of our souls. He has us. And the only way we're going to break it is to break it. We got to take that chance. You got to make that move. If you don't want to come here, go somewhere else. But do something. Y'all organize a community. But just don't be scattered out like you are. Too easy to pick you off. And stop bargaining with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You really don't have the time. Nor do we have the credentials to make a deal with the Heavenly Father. I'm going to get it together. I'm going to, as soon as I finish this, I'll be in there as soon as I get... We don't have those kind of credentials no more. He was so compassionate and loving. You know what I, I say? I've been saying this for years. The white man fed you all pork, right? And he fed you the worst part of pork. The gut, the ears, the tail, the foot. Not feet, the foot. The intestines, the bowels. You even brush your teeth with the big fur. You know what I'm saying? He, and you wash your body with his hoof. Because they use to make some soap out of pickles. While we were doing this ourselves, the white man made a joke out of black people and watermelons. Made us look like it was a joke for black people to eat watermelons, only to find out that watermelons purify the stomach. Keep the system flushed. And if the Heavenly Father didn't turn us into the rigid prior that the white person laughed at when they saw us eating watermelons, we probably would have died. The filth that he would feed us in slavery, we would have never made it this far. But the Almighty loved us so much that while he was feeding your pork, the Almighty was making us eat watermelons. That's why we're here today, and we're able to survive all the stuff this man does to us. Because we have an everlasting covenant. Because Allah says about Ishmael, the name Ishmael means, I will hear. Ishmael comes from Sama'at. It means to hear or to listen. I will listen. Sami'Allah liman hamada rabbana walak alhamd. Sami'Allah means Allah does listen to those who praise. Or are grateful to him. And for our sustainer is the praise. We say that in our prayer. And we are Ismail. He does hear us. Stop bargaining with him. Um, the last question that I have is just in terms of the end times. And what you had said before that um, Jesus said he'd never leave us comfortless. How far does that go? 
It goes as far as us obeying his law. When we step out of his law, we are comfortless. People say, that means all of us. No, no, no. It only means people that are in the law. You understand? Because he gave us a perimeter to work with. You know, and it says, stay within that perimeter and you ain't got nothing to worry about. And we think we can step out the perimeter and still get his blessing. And it's just not true. Here's a guy, you know the thing people in the hospital, ex-drug addicts or winos, they left in the hospital, they ain't the old guy. I just got hit by this train. I know I drink and I know I smoke and I know I curse and I know I've been killing people and I know I've been selling drugs and I know I've been stealing everything and I've raped four or five people and I've beat up a couple of cats and, you know, I kicked this cat down the street with old guy. Please forgive me. And they act like they should be forgiven. And then, when they don't get what they want, they're mad at God. If they get what they want, if he says, okay, what did Jesus say when he healed somebody? Now go and sin no more. They come out the hospital, go right back into their sin. They bother. Please, God, what do we do? We run to him when we need him. And we as human beings, put myself with you, I want you to feel this. We as human beings get mad when someone calls us and you say, my sister don't never call me unless she wants something. How many friends you got that they contact you when they need? And you say, I ain't even seen that nigga. Now he wants something. Now he's calling it. Uh, is that not true? You know, they call you three or four days before Christmas in short gift. They call you on the phone and say, you know, uh, how you doing? How's the kid? My birthday's Tuesday. And you get mad at that, but you don't expect the Heavenly Father to be mad at you because you do the same thing. You get in the hospital and you say, oh, God, I don't want to die. I won't use drugs no more, I promise. And you only call him when you need him. What about now while you're healthy? When you don't have no major problems, when you're not laying on a hospital bed, why aren't you praising him now? No, you wait until you are in some type of stress. Then you call the Holy Spirit. Well, you should be calling the Holy Spirit every day to be a beacon, a guide light to you. Go ahead. Really, the white man thinks in his brain. He believes he's going to prolong all this long time? Or he, he doesn't have to. All he has to do is have more of y'all following him than Allah when the world is. And that's it. That's his whole point to prove to Allah that y'all are not worthy because y'all will not come into God. You don't believe you're going to get destroyed. Oh, no. He knows the world is going to end. But he thinks that as long as he has more souls in his ledger than we have in our ledger, that he'll win. And based on what like the Quran says, Bismillahir Rahman Rahim Wal Asr. By that quote in the Quran, it says, Well, by the time when man is separated from his body, surely all human beings are losing. Based on the time of the end of the world, Man is in a state of loss. Illa Lavina Amanu. Except for those who amala, who work, to try to perfect themselves, scripture says. What so And they spend their time trying to bring people to the reality and the facts of it. What so And they have patience and endurance in doing it.
People come in, can't stay because things don't go their way, or they're stolen, they don't want to protect themselves. And the Quran told us, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Well, love, inna l'insana la fi khusr, illa l'adhina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawafu bil haqqa wa tawafu bil sabr. Sadaqallahu al-Azim. It told us about that. Told us that man is going to be, when it comes time to judgment day, man is going to be running last. He's going to be losing the race because he's caught up in the things of dunya, the things of this world, and he doesn't even look forward to a spiritual life. He's caught up in taking care of himself in the physical world, and he's not even thinking about the God of the spiritual world. Um, my question is, if, if our purpose is to get back to the state where the Creator wants us, why are some brothers and sisters with the, um, not being able to see the truth? Don't want to see it, don't want to hear it. Because the brother did a real good job. So the devil is the one who put the death the own. Yeah, the devil, the devil has done a good job of, of making them want to be what he is. So he's a failure. Because every one of his societies always looks rich and always fails. Rome, Greece, Mesopotamia, and this society here is beginning to fall apart. Interior is falling apart now. Good job for you. So our people are afraid as men to stand up on our own and build our own nation. We're just afraid to. We've been, made, been living under the white man so long that we'd be so comfortable under his arm. We're afraid to stand up on our own and go for it. And we can do it. It shows the white man that put the, the veil on, on the on the eyes so they won't see or hear. No, Allah, 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 Allah will steal anybody's heart who speaks disbelief. If you want to find a reason not to be a Muslim, Allah will help you not be a Muslim. I see that. If you want to look for a reason to say, I'm going to find fault in Imam he'll help you find fault. I'm going to find fault in the community, he'll help you find fault. If you say, I want to find righteousness in a person, he'll help you find righteousness. You look at a person and say, I'm going to find good in that person, he'll help you find good. You look at a person and say, I want to find wrong, he'll help you find wrong. You, you can do it. Shukran. You have been listening to The True Light, sponsored by the original Tents of Kedar, located at 717 Bushwick Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. You are also invited to attend the questions and answers class every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the Hall of Knowledge at 548 Hart Street in Brooklyn, New York. And now, more profound than ever before, the Panthers of Peace, offered by the master teacher and spiritual guide, Sayyid Al-Imam Isa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi, covering such topics as Who's who on the planet Earth? The resurrection. Who was noble Drew Ali? Who was Jesus' father? Who was Marcus Garvey? St. Paul, disciple or deceiver, and much, much more. Also to aid in your spiritual growth, we have a beautifully crafted hand-woven prayer rug designed by Esayid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. We also have a large assortment of prayer beads, Nubian and Sufi oils, and incense. The original tense of Kedar would like for you to write or call us and let us know how the true light has changed your life. Remember, above all things, truth is true. This is from the 66th of the Holy Quran, the 8th And we all sustain a complete for us our life. 
and forgive us. For surely you have the power over all things. Uh, I just ordered on Uber Eats, uh, and it was a sister, a hijabi sister. You're now listening to The True Light with Asaid El Imam Isa Al Hadi Mahdi. I'd like to know how can we tell that the world is coming to an end? Let's go to Matthew 24 and read it until we come up with it. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. 
And Jesus said unto them, See you all these things, verily or truly, I say unto thee, or to you all, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be torn down. Okay? <laughs> you follow it so far? And keep in mind Revelation 18 as we go on. And as he sat, meaning Jesus, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately. That means he was no longer teaching a, a large population, but he was only talking to his disciples the second time they came to him. Right? Came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? They wanted to know about these things that were mentioned in Revelation chapter 18. When will these things happen? Number four, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. We got Yahweh ben Yahweh, he's Christ. We got a host of people in America professing to be Christ. And I've been asked a million times, and I'll answer over another million and one times, do you say that you are Christ? And I say to you, listen, no, I am not Christ. So go tell them lying Sunni Muslims who tell people that I say I am Christ that you heard me say, no, I am not Christ. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> tell them to stop lying on me. Now, did you hear me say it? Ask me, am I Christ? Somebody. No, I am not Christ. See? <laughs> Simple, right? But tell them to stop lying. All right. But you better take heed, because many people are going to come and say they are Christ, and they're going to deceive many people. He said, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Now, do Muslims come in Christ's name? No. Does a real Israelite, not Yahweh ben Yahweh, because they do, in a subtle kind of way, come in Christ's name, most of the so-called black American Israelites. But do any Muslims that you know of or real Israelites come in Christ's name? Yes or no? Who comes in Christ's name? Christian, Christ, Christian, Christ, Christian, Christian, Christ. And Jesus said to watch out for people coming in his name. Because he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of Allah. Blessed are the peacemakers, but they shall, they shall be called. You see that? And that was a future tense that wasn't even talking about the people of his time. Because he used the word shall. And the word peacemaker is salam, and one who's of peace is muslim. So Jesus said, blessed are the Muslims, they shall be called the children. And he tells you here in Matthew 24, many shall come in my name and say I am of Christ and am not. That's going to pick it again. Why? Number six. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you be not troubled. Are we not hearing of wars and rumors of war now? All over the world. But don't worry about it. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Is it not that easy? For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Iraq, Persia, Iran, South America, America, Vietnam, Korea, Japan. Nation shall rise against nation when it deals with people of, of political status and kingdom against kingdom. He covered everybody. And there shall be famine and pestilence, which is a repeat from Revelation chapter 18. 
an earthquake in diverse places, in all kinds of strange places, you got earthquakes. All these are the beginnings of the sorrow. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You will be hated because you believe in the Messiah. Muslims don't believe in the Messiah, though they say they do. They say one is coming. They don't believe in him. The only Muslims in the world that recognize the Messiah are Ansari, and they call us crazy. And we, we welcome that title because blessed is he who persecuted us after righteous name's sake. You know, they persecuted all the prophets that were before you, the Bible says. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Now you have all the Sunni Muslim imams going out west to study under white Arabs. These are about some serious problems here amongst the Americans. You're going to be betrayed by these people. I just heard that the teacher was teaching them from overseas in the Sunni Muslim. They have a flyer that they're circulating that he betrayed them. Now the white Arabs are sending all of them out west to study under some more white Arabs. Why don't they just send some money here and build some schools in New York and Philadelphia where you see large quantities of black? Why don't they build it right here? Why you got to leave your family and go way out there? By the way, they got enough money to build a school in one year. They can have schools all over the United States if they want to really propagate penal Islam here. They want to smother it, because when they brought Islam to America, they never intended for it to fall in the hands of the original seed. It was for white people to try to control them politically. And what happened is the people whose religion it is mystic, and the people whose way of life it is, yours picked it up. And now you have a bigger problem. You're worse than an epidemic. The truth is more dangerous than anything. Go ahead. All these are the beginning of sorrows, I read. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall be waxed cold. Because there's so many false prophets, and so many false teachings, people don't know which way to turn, now you have a wax coat over your heart. You don't know who to open your heart to. The Jehovah's Witness sound right, the Seventh-day Adventist sound right, the Amstar sound right, the Sunni sound right, Farrakhan sound right. Now people's hearts are turned cold because of the iniquity of the devil. He created all of these different paths to confuse you. But you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Not set you free, make you free. Number 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Not those who come in the community and leave, only those who stay to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. There at that point, Asa el Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam, answered the disciples' question. He told them what to expect. And then he told them who to avoid. And then he told them, and when that happens, then it'll come. Well, we're living in a time when there's rumors of war, kingdom against kingdom, nations against nations. We got false prophets and false Christ, and we have false gods. There's God here, people saying they're God, some saying they're Christ, some saying they're this, some saying they're that. Men are delivering each other. The, Muslims, the Sunni Muslims are selling out, they're selling their souls to the pale Arabs for salaries, betraying one another, 
all of my servants get together on when to break the fast and start the fast or where to have the chutzpah, who's going to give the chutzpah. All of these are the prophecies, and they're manifesting right in front of us today. And when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of in the book of Daniel, read Daniel 9 and you see it, stand in the holy place, not places, come to the holy place, the tabernacle of the Most High, be here. Whosoever readeth this, let him understand. That's in brackets, which means they added that section. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And that's taking place now in Judea. <laughs> the Palestinians have been pushed out of, out of their motherland by other people. They're living up in the mountains, and Germans have taken Palestine and turned it into a new state of Israel. Let him which is on the, hip, the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. That means when it day come, that those people who are in the city, Judea represents the city, go to Jezir Abba, go up to the mountain. What do I keep telling you we have to do? We have to get out of here and get up on the mountain. You know one of the reasons why? Do you know that a mountain can protect you against radiation? Do you know that? Read, go study. A mountain can protect you from radiation. And the property that we found is one of the highest points where our community is upstate. Real high up. It was selected purposely to be in the right place. So you're near to the ship and protected against the radiation. Like I say last year, when mosquitoes start coming this summer and biting homosexuals and they start biting you, you have a serious problem. Not just homosexuals, now women are carrying it and drug addicts are carrying it and animals are carrying AIDS. And when they start biting and biting you, I don't care who you think you are, how tough a guy or gal you think you are, you can die of AIDS. And you don't have to explain to everybody you ain't homosexual. You just come up tomorrow with AIDS. And half of the population who don't listen to the news don't know that AIDS is being spread many different ways now. Mosquitoes are going to bring AIDS to these cities. You understand? AIDS are going to come through the cities and mosquitoes. You wait for the epidemic of AIDS starts to spread this summer. Epidemics of, of drug addicts are spreading. It's becoming dangerous to walk down the street. Neither let him, which is in the field, return back to take his clothes. You see what it's trying to tell you? If you're, if you're saying, well, well, my family lives in Mauritius, or my family lives in Jamaica, or my family lives in Puerto Rico, I want to go home and contact my family first. Tells you, don't do that. Don't go to the field and then come home. Leave from there, right there. Get in the tabernacle. I'll go on. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that get stuck in those days. It says, when that last hour ticks, the women that are pregnant or breastfeed, why? Why woe to them? Because we're talking about radiation. We're talking about children born today that are born drug addicts because of their dumb parents. People born in, in double poverty. People born to families that don't have nothing. They're starving. Little innocent babies. Not even given a chance in the world because their mother and father are crack addicts. You understand? Because in this day and time, it's, it's not for the mother, it's for the baby. 
Woe to those women that are pregnant or that are breastfeeding. The radiation, the poison, the filth, and the poverty, and it is, it's a shame. I'm not telling you not to have children. I'm telling you to be in the tabernacle and have your children. Well, you're protected by the, the tabernacle of the Most High. He has always given us, when we was Israel, he told Moses in Exodus 15 to build an ark of a covenant, which is a protection. Did you see that movie? Praise of the Lord's Ark? No, I didn't see it. That same thing was constructed the same way Moses built the ark of the tabernacle. Same thing they had in that movie. All the Amorites were fighting over it. When they finally got it in the cave, angels of fire came out of that ark and just tore it into pieces. The devil wants the truth, but truth is too heavy for him. Mm. 20. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. He says, you better hope that the catastrophe does not come in the middle of the winter. Why? But this man has the power to cut off your gas, your electric, your heat. He can immobilize you. He can hide in your house. He can just cut it all off if you're not prepared. Some projects are made of metal and brick. You know what happens if they cut off the heat of the project in the middle of the winter? They become refrigerators. He knows what he's building. He knows how he's doing this. He says, you better pray that that final clip don't be in the middle of the winter. And it better not be on the Sabbath, because the Lord is writing this as if you keep the Sabbath. Knowing that you can't walk but so many miles, or you can't do but so many things on the Sabbath, if you live by the law of the Sabbath. He said, you better hope it don't happen on the winter of the Sabbath. Because you're going to be right in the midst of the devil, and you ain't going to do nothing about it. Number 21. Well, then... But then shall be great tribulation, such as what? Tell me. Was not since the beginning of the world Tell to this time, nor nor ever shall be. Now, what tribulations took place in the beginning of the world? Let's go to Revelation chapter twelve to find out. Verse seven. Revelation twelve, verse seven, and there was. War in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Right? Yes, sir. Number nine. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan was deceived. How many people? The whole world. They deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. See that? That's what took place in the beginning that they're telling you in Matthew 24. A battle like that. That has never happened since the beginning of the world. The battle of the whole heaven and the earth. And it ain't going to never happen again after this. And you're going to be in the midst of it. 22. And except those days be shortened, there shall... No flesh be saved. You understand what that means? That means people are now saying, it was just a week last week. Tell you I sit up there again this Sunday. What happened to the week? Time is going by. You're missing days. You thought people don't say, well, I thought they were, I thought they were Monday. Then you're in the middle of the week. The time is zooming up. You can watch days and nights pass. But the Lord says, if he didn't shorten the day, we would not make it to heaven. We'd fall behind if he didn't make it. We should be. 
But the devil is a very powerful temptation. His world is getting more colorful and more delicious and more exciting every day. He's creating more, he's giving more Negro opportunities in the theatrical world, in the medical world, in the political world. He's opening doors for us to be tempted by him. What proper man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Just because of you, you will shorten time. Then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, there is Christ, or there, don't believe it. Telling you in this last day and time, a whole lot of people are going to pop up saying, There's Christ. There's Christ. Here's Christ. Now that's the guy who horizontally. You understand about horizontally? Yes. That's the Christ walking up on me and you. Now let's go to the other kind of Christ. So if you don't believe that one, the Bible right there tells you, somebody will say, there goes Christ, don't believe it. <laughs> Let me find out what else it says for this other kind of belief in Christ. 24 says, when all shall arise, false plural Christ, and false prophets. It separates those people who call themselves Christ from those who call themselves prophets. Mm. These are all these false prophets. They don't call themselves Christ, they just call themselves prophets. They prophesy. There are no more prophets after Muhammad. And shall show great signs and wonders. Will they have the power to heal? Will these false Christ have the power to heal and stuff? What the Bible say? They shall show great signs and wonders. That they will have the power to do these things. But it goes on and gives you a little catch. In so much, that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the body to eat. But can a Muslim be deceived? They can't move us no more. We know better. All we got to do is we just rattle off of their mouth. We listen to what they say. They're up. They want to fall Let's move on. 25. Behold, what did Jesus say? Behold, now what? I have told you before. Go ahead. Wherefore, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. They pray that Jesus Christ is going to come out of the desert. He's going to come on a temple in Jerusalem out of the desert. He's going to come, he's going to rise up in Israel in the desert. We're going to say it with those guys. Go not forth, behold. Now, don't go. A whole bunch of brothers left Chicago on their way to Israel years ago. They were going to wait for the Messiah. In 1957, and they're still waiting for the Messiah. In 1987, mm. when the Bible told them, don't go over there looking for him. But what? Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. Now, someone tells you, he's in some secret chamber in heaven next to God, and he's going to come out in clouds and ride forth in glory, and a whole bunch of little fat angels with little wings are going to be around him. And there's going to be music and harps and little people singing. And everything is going to be so beautiful. They get the tiny guy on. And they get all happy. They're about to guess. He says what? Believe it not. Don't believe what he told you. All the things that people tell you to believe about Christ, Christ just told you don't believe it. If someone tells you he's a man, don't believe it. If someone tells you he's of Christ, don't believe it. If he says he's a prophet of Christ, don't believe it. If he says he's, in a, he's going to come in Jerusalem or in the desert, don't believe it. If he says he's going to come out of the sky up in some sacred chamber, don't believe it. 
So now, what do we believe? So everything that I, everything I've ever read from the Jehovah Witness to the Seventh-day Adventist to the Muslims to the Jews is right here being said, don't believe it. You know why? Because Christ is not going to come like that. He's saying this angel should testify for him is mentioned in Revelation chapter 1. He's saying this angel signifying it for him. The only thing you think about the way he's going to come is not true because he's not going to come that way. So you can look up in the sky all you want. They've been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus. They've been looking up. Didn't church and get to popping tambourines and screaming and singing, having a good time, and still got to pay rent for next month. You understand that? Because they don't want to read this little verse. It tells them the way they think he's going to come, he's not going to come. And now it tells you in 27 how to expect it. For as a lightning, what is lightning? Positive and negative charges of energy. Hey. <laughs> Created by a clash of hot and cold weather. It gives off electrical charges and you see lightning. Watch. Whereas the lightning coming out of the east, the world is going to shine. Even into the west. Then what? So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, are y'all not the sons and daughters of man? who are given the power to become the sons and daughters of God? You understand that? Were you not born of a man? A mortal? You are the sons of man. And you are the sons of God when you accept the truth of the oneness of Allah. The light shining out of east, where do you think you came from? You think you was always there in the west? You came out of east. Unto the west, shining forth. Now you're trying to bring back pure Islam, and you have rose in the west and shining forth towards the east. You know about that, Galilee, right? Uh, a, a little. <laughs> Enough, man. You understand? Yes, sir. The light of the Most High is like a tabernacle prepared for a bride that's coming down out of heaven into your heart, and you shall shine forth with the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And in accepting that truth, you make a transformation from a son of man to a son of God, like it says. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. All other stuff is what other men say. Number 28, if you want to go on. But you covered the main gist of it. Well, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. The carcass, people. Carcass. <laughs> people that stand there in 28. The word, wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And that's their power. That was always a symbol. Number 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now you're talking about the end of the world. <laughs> now you're talking serious end of world here. We're talking about the stars falling out the sky and the sun and moon being blocked. You know if the sun was cut off from the earth within 15 minutes, you always breathe it Number 30. And then shall appear the sign of what? The Son of Man. Where? In heaven. That is the formation of the constellation. The sign of the Son of Man appearing is going to be that. You will understand. And then shall 
all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven, heaven with power, with power and, and great, great glory. glory. That's from Daniel. You see that? That's the mothership. That's the elders. Fernando is birth. Fernando is Jesus' real name. Fernando is birth. He's with them. But so is Elijah. And so is Jeremiah. And so is all of us in the world. They're there. Half the world is about ready to destroy itself. You're going to see that ship come forth. And what else? And he shall kill the right angels. He shall send, and he shall send the right his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And that angel, as I told you around about the throne, are nothing but empty collectors. But the sound of the trumpet is mentioned in the Holy Quran, chapter 20, verse 102. On a day when a trumpet is blown, he shall gather the guilty blue out on that day. Remember that one? That trumpet is the same trumpet, and that angel is Raphael who holds the trumpet to blow for the judgment of the world. And they shall gather together to be left. That means 144,000 will be gathered and be prepared to be taken away from the four winds. From the four ships and the four corners, it'll hold them like the wind for the world and destroy itself. From one end of heaven to the other. That means they'll travel into Galactica. They will leave this atmosphere and go straight on the other side of the black hole. See? I want to get back to get heaven. That's pretty good. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put its forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Leaf is near. He's telling us that the end of the world is symbolic of a fig tree. When you start seeing the signs of its leaves, you better know that the food's going to grow. All the things that we mentioned, rumors of war, pestilence, diseases, and famine, those are the leaves on the fig tree blossoming. That means that this judgment is very near. You understand? Yes, sir. Go ahead. So likewise, they, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. <laughs> That's clear, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be what? Fulfilled. You aren't going anywhere. This generation is not going anywhere until you get all those places. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my world shall not pass away. You see that? Yes, sir. Go ahead. For that, that day and that and hour. That day. An hour. And now, knoweth no man, no, not, not the, the angels, angels of heaven, of heaven but, but my Father only. The only one that knows the exact hour of judgment is the heavenly Father. The angels don't even know. We can't tell you when it's going to end. Only Allah Ta'ala knows the exact moment. But as the days of Noah were as in the days of Noah were, were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What happened in Noah? Noah went around warning people about the end of the world, warning people about it, and they called him crazy. Why they thought it was crazy? He was building a boat out in the desert. Didn't that look crazy? Mm. 
Well, that's how we look building this tabernacle in the middle of New York City, telling people to stop having a good time and put on white and learn to pray. Of course, we look crazy. Of course, they'll say you're all the brain Of course, they're going to persecute you for wanting to be an ass-off, put a veil on your face, and walk around in a white long dress every day, a male or a female. Of course, they're going to say you're nuts, but that's what they did in Noah. Noah came and said, it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. They said, because it's good, that means our crops to grow. <laughs> We will return with the true light after this brief intermission. We, the Nubian Islamic Hebrews, would like to hear from you. Write us and let us know how the true light has made a difference in your life. Unlike those fake healers and lying creatures, we are not asking you to send us money for prayer cloths and lucky numbers. We are a self-supporting program. We just ask that you show your support by writing as Saeed Al-Imam Isa Al-Hadi Mahdi. Let him know how the true light has made a difference in your life. We are asking you don't send your hard-earned money to those lying men who claim to come in the name of Jesus and who really come in the name of themselves. So beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Now let us continue with the true light. Remember, you are the light, and you have the power over all things. You say, yeah, but y'all won't be here. <laughs> Did y'all get the Noah book? The Noah book is out now. The new book, Noah 1 and 2. 1 and 2, I have I'm telling you, that's some heavy material. Mm. It's going to get heavier too, believe me. Go ahead. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and That's giving it. in marriage, until the day that oh, Noah that entered into the ark. That means back then before the flood, they were having they were partying up, just like today, having a good time. And then that hour came. Go ahead. <laughs> and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. See, they ain't going to believe you. They all gonna be out there still popping their fingers and dancing, having a good time. I must have touched some stalks by the couple of y'all. Okay. <laughs> they'll be out there having a good time, and all of a sudden, bam! In one day, it says in, in uh, Revelation 18, in one hour, this big city, this Babylon, is made desolate, which people thought could never fall. They're gonna catch people having a good time, going on their, on the subway, on their way to Wall Street, on their way to get that suit out to clean up for the party, on their way to get our hair repermed. I'm going to get my nail rebuilt. I got to find me a pair of shoes to match this new pantsuit I got. I got to go down and get the key for this new car I'm buying. I got to go see this new apartment. I'll pick up my furniture. I'll call this man about my dog who got a broken leg. And that's when it's going to happen. When they least expect it, that's when it's going to strike. Go ahead. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. That's what they call the rapture. You look next to the person next to you. You see that person next to you? Come on, everybody. Don't yes, be afraid. If you like that person, realize that if y'all don't become one, one of y'all ain't going. <laughs> the Bible says two people will be together. One is going and one is staying behind. Unless y'all become one in faith, one in spirit, one of y'all are going to stay behind. Now, y'all pick <laughs> Go ahead. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, 
One shall, one be, shall taken, be taken and the other will be left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. That's right. You don't know what hour the Lord is going to make this judgment come. Two women together, you the two sisters there sitting in front of you? Yes, sir. Two of them together, one of them are gone, and one of them are not. So don't mess around and be so signed with somebody who don't have as much faith as you, and they're trying to keep you out the tabernacle for their reason. And then you know them, though. Let's go. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known known it, had known in what watch, what, watch the, the thief, thief would, come. would come. That's right. He would have watched and would have scuffed his house. house. What that means, if the man, the good man, had known exactly when the burglar was going to come in and burglarize his house, he would have been sitting there to catch him. That's those people in there that say, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prolong it to the last minute, then take my shahada right before judgment day. I'm going to finish this party in first, then I'm going to come in. I want to finish. No, no, it ain't going to work like that. He's going to come like a thief in the night. <laughs> We will return with the true light after this brief intermission. Now is the time to ask questions of your leaders, teachers, and preachers. Where did all the races of people come from? Why did John have to baptize Jesus at the Jordan? And why do the four Gospels contradict each other? The answer to these questions can be with only one man. As Saeed Ali Mamiso Hadi Mehdi, the man who has written over 150 books on such topics as Is There Life on Other Planets? How were the pyramids built? What race was Adam and Eve? And was the Holy Quran made up by Muhammad, or was it a divine scripture sent from the Most High? And what is the difference between the spirit and the soul? The answer to these questions can be found in the most dynamic books in history, authored by As Saeed Ali Mamiso Hadi Mehdi. These books can be purchased at the original Tenth Kita at 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Would you like to see the man behind the voice you hear teaching the total truth? He is there at the Hall of Knowledge, located at 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York. Every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m., the Nubian Islamic Hebrews would like to invite you to question and answer classes with Asayid Ali Mamiso Hadi Mehdi. Come listen and learn. Hear the words of truth for yourself. Hear the answers to long-awaited questions. Also for your spiritual growth, an intricate design woven prayer rug designed by the hand of Asayid Ali Mamiso Hadi Mehdi. Also available are prayer beads, incense, and oil. If you would like any further information on these items, contact the original tents of Kedar, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. And be sure to ask for a listing of the most dynamic books in history, authored by Saeed Ali Marisal Hadi Mehdi. Now let us continue with the true light. Remember, you are the light, and you have the power over all things. Go ahead. And would have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be also ready for on such an hour as you think not, not the Son of Man cometh. When you don't think he's going to come, that's when he'll be here. Y'all did not expect it, did y'all? And y'all were merry making in 1970, and out of nowhere pops this man with his new doctrine that has y'all sitting in this room. You wasn't ready for it. You just was so nosy, you couldn't resist it. You saw this book, it had all this funny stuff on the cover, and you said, 
Nubian Islamic Hebrews. Leviathan, big, big thing. Now, what is that? And you thought, whoa, look at this, a dollar bill. And I'm going to read this. And you read it, and you said, that's interesting. Now i got to get another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And you've been another one ever since, because your nose got you in it. Your body's mad at your nose, in case you don't know it. But you then nose your way into a doctrine that's calling for more. See, the Bible says the truth is sweet in the mouth and bitter in the belly. The little book they call in Revelation. Sweet in the mouth and bitter. When you first hear about Islam, you heavy. You're the heaviest guy in your neighborhood now. You can go bust people up. You're heavy now. You're burning hot stuff. And then someone says, well, don't those people wear veils? Well, I'm going to get them out of that, too. Well, don't they all live together? I'll be there. I'm going to move in. When? Because right now, you know, your conversation don't mean nothing because you ain't living all the law. And then eventually all you have, then you got to try not to let people know you know that. Then you got to try to be cool and don't say nothing about the doctrine. You know what I'm saying? They can look in your eye and they know that you're not the normal no more, you know. People look at you and they say, you know something. I don't know what it is you know, but you know something because you are out of place. You go to a party now. You go and try you're in a party, you can try to have a good time, but you're looking around at these people and saying, these people are stupid. You see a person take a piece of paper with some leaves in it and put a match to it and puff on it. Simply called a cigarette. And you look at it and say, this guy's smoking paper and leaves. Before, you didn't see it that way. You see a guy walk up to a bar and take an alcoholic drink, put it to his lips, down rubbing alcohol with some food coloring in it, make a strong face like, nah, give me another hit. <laughs> and right in the back of your mind says, the man takes and builds a car and makes the speed 55 miles an hour and then puts 180 miles on the speedometer. You follow that? Yes, sir. That's why you kill yourselves. If he didn't want people to kill themselves, he'd only put 55 miles an hour on the speedometer. The car wouldn't go no further. He got to tell you, you better not drive around more than 55 miles an hour, but go buy this Porsche that does 240. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The devil is doing his work, y'all. 24 hours a day. Go ahead, read on. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom has, who has Lord hath made ruler over his household? To give them meat in the season. He's telling you that the Son of Man, right? He's wise and he's loyal because he's a servant of the Lord. And he will be the one to prepare the household to provide for you. You understand? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Blessed is, the ser- is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, so fine, fine, so doing. That's right. Blessed is the servant who, when the truth comes, You'll be found in his God, found in righteousness. He's going to make it. Go ahead. Verily I say unto you, you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Ain't that great? Mm. 48. Mm. But, and if that evil servant shall say it in his heart, in his heart, my Lord, delay it his coming. If the evil servant says, my Lord is not coming yet, I mean, remember the guy who says he'll put it off for later? What does it say about him? And shall begin to smite his fellow servant and to eat and drink with the drunken. People who were in, dropped back out and went back into the world to get involved. What does it say about him? Uh, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day 
when he looketh not for him. That's right. And in an hour that he is not aware of. Go ahead. And, and shall so cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. That's right. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we went through the whole Matthew 24, verse by verse. This is how you read the Bible. You don't be jumping from place to place unless you're trying to make a point and you don't have the time. Read the whole thing so you can see what it says. It's what makes the people for the Egyptians who had the people in Egypt under bondage that Moses had came to. Right. What happens with Egypt is like I was teaching on this last night. What happens with Egypt is most of your scholars, especially Americans, are getting all their translations from English. So therefore, none of them, or most of them, have taken the time to learn hieroglyphics. Or they strain their hieroglyphics from the Rosetta Stone, which was in Greek. So they say that this new Rosetta Stone, which was in Greek, gave them the power to translate the hieroglyphics which was an ancient Egyptian uh, language written and not spoken. They never even bothered to check up on the word Greek. <laughs> if you really research the word Greek, you'll find out that the word Greek or Greek or Grecia means to be uncertain. <laughs> the word itself means uncertain. Why, how silly the Christians look when they say we, Jesus revealed the books to them in Greece. <laughs> Greek. All right. Now, when you talk about Egypt, you got to understand that when you say we're going up the Nile, you're really going south. You follow that? You're going from Egypt or Alexandria down towards Sudan, which means you pass through Cairo or Cahira down into Luxor and Nubia and then down into Sudan, where there are pyramids, but the white man refuses to mention that there are pyramids in Sudan, you see, that you can see. All right, what he tries to make people think is whenever he speaks of Egypt, he's talking about Alexandria, which is to the north, connected to the Mediterranean, by, way, by which entrance from Europe was easily made. So the invasion by Caucasoid people called Franks and Anglic, or whatever Saxons, which became Anglo-Saxon or English people, and Franks became known as French, and uh, Iranians or Aryans, which became known as the germ seed or the man with the germ or Germans, <laughs> all of these people found their way into northern Africa from the Mediterranean and, and invaded Egypt on countless times. Thus, when you look in the northern part of Egypt at the hieroglyphics, you see what they recall a rainbow coalition, which is a joke. We don't need a rainbow coalition <laughs> mixing our seed with other people. Only people who need seeds mixed with them want to mix. White people need us to mix with them. We don't need them. We've survived for millions of years without him. He can't even survive 6,000. Okay? So now, when you get most of your books in America and they teach you in college about Egypt, they're teaching you about Alexandria. And that's why they always take you to Cleopatra and how a man named Alexandria went over to Egypt 
and Caesar came over to Egypt, and Pathophius came over to Egypt and got their philosophy, which they later called the Hermes doctrine or the Kabbalion, not the Kabbalah. You follow that? Yeah. I'm building around something, so bear with me. Okay. So when you get to the southern part of Egypt, which is really the north, because like I said, the Nile travels down to Sudan, but they say it's going up. <laughs> so the white man is such a devil that he switched everything around to confuse people. Whenever they speak about the seed that Ibrahim and them came in contact with, or that Musa, Ibrahim is Abraham, alayhi salatu wasalam, or Musa, which is Moses, alayhi salatu wasalam, who came in contact with Ramses and them, they were talking about Ramses of Luxor, not Ramses of Alexandria. But when they give you their movies in America about the Bible, they pull it up into Alexandria where they had been invaded by whites and mixed in. Thus you see on the hieroglyphics of the pyramids of the northern part in Cairo, you see all different colored Egyptians. But when you get to the lower, which is really the upper, and I'm not trying to confuse you, bear with it. When you get to the lower Luxor in Sudan, inside the pyramids you see all dark people which were the real seed of Mizraim from Cush. The word Egypt, listen, is from the word Mizraim, from the seed of Cush, who came over into Ephraim or Africa and moved down into Luxor, Nubia, Sudan, Somali, uh, Habashi, Ethiopia. They're all with the descendants of Nabi Noah, who was perfect in his generation and was the Black Sea. So that when Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, was in Egypt, he was talking not up in Alexandria, but lower Egypt, which is really upper Egypt. Okay, I got to keep saying that because they keep playing words with you. And he was in the midst of all blacks, which are the Sudanese, the Nubians. And when Benai Israel which are the children of Israel, migrated from the land of Canaan into Egypt because that was the only place where there was grain. They encountered Nubian people, which were Sudanese, which was black. And when Joseph blended in in Egypt as an officer in the ranks of Egypt because of his ability to interpret dreams, he blended in amongst blacks. But when his other brothers, along with their father, Yahweh or Jacob, came to Egypt, which was Luxor, Nubia, and Sudan region, and they could not differentiate Yusuf, alayhi salatu wasalam, Joseph, from the other Egyptians, it's because he was black. Now, all this blackness is not necessary because we don't need this racism in Islam. However, the white Arab spends a lot of time trying to give us impact trying to put in our minds that Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam Muhammad was white or a white Arab with a red, a red beard and that Abraham was white and that Adam was white and that Jesus was white but the moment you and I bring it up we're racist <laughs> Imam Isa is a racist don't go to the Ansarullah community they talk racism your question is a very good question when Musa alayhi salatu wasalam Moses when Ibrahim, Abraham, alayhi salatu wasalam, was in Egypt, and when Jesus, Isa ibn Maryam, went to Egypt, he encountered black people. Today, if you went to the tree, and I've been there, where Miriam and Jesus rested, it's in the southern part of Cairo, going towards Luxor. You understand? 
So those were black people who the children of Israel were in bondage to, black Egyptians. And that's why when they say in the second prophecy, in the 15th chapter of Genesis, about Abraham's seed being in bondage for 400 years, and that the Amorites would keep them in bondage, we know he could not have been talking about the children of Israel because the Amorites did never, ever rule Egypt. It had to be talking about you people who are descendants of Ismail and Israel here today in the Western world who have been lost but now found thanks to people like Noble Ju Ali, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and Jama Ansarullah. We have now found our way back to Sabilullah and Sisala, our chain. <laughs> okay? Assalamu alaikum. Um, I have a question that gives me a lot because I'm from a family that uh, were Muslim, or striving for a title. And I'm in a family whereas my father was Muslim and they were following the honor of Elijah Muhammad. The family divide because one wants to go a positive direction, the other wants to go a negative direction. The question that I have to ask is families. We all are families, our families that we love so much and so much care about. Some of them don't even want us to accept this truth. Would you please explain to me why is all this happening? Our families are like, we are accepting your word and your truth. But then our fathers and our mothers are like, you know, they're, they're slandering you. First of all, if they followed the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad Prophet, right, we'd come up with certain questions that he put forth. One of them is, why is the devil so successful in all his undertakings? Remember that question? Mm -hmm. What's it answer? Because um, those that were his followers, right? Right. Obeyed his instructions regardless of what he told them to do. Correct? Right. Now, in the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teachings, he also made mention of, can a Muslim be fooled? And the answer was, not nowadays. Correct? Right. the devil tried. But right after the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, was taken up by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alayhi salam. What happened is the whole community got fooled. Warwick D. Muhammad, who did not follow the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who had been groomed by pale Arabs to pull down the nation of Islam, was elected into office. You see? And he opened the doors of that holy temple and mixed and deluded and tampered. What does Allah Elijah Muhammad say about the word holy? What is holy? Anything that has not been mixed, diluted, or tampered with in any way. And he called them the holy nation of Islam in the teaching. Yet, word the Muhammad opened the door to let the unholy devil in. Allah Elijah Muhammad also said, can the devil be reformed? No. No. All the scientists have tried. And they came to the conclusion that it could not be done. So how could Word D. Muhammad allow the devil inside a holy temple which could first render it unholy 
And if they had obeyed the honorable Elijah Muhammad's teachings, regardless of what he told them to do, you see, all of the scandalism and all of the lies, be they true or false about his private life, should have never even came up. The devil is successful because his followers obey him. You follow that? Muslims cannot be successful because they refuse to obey their leaders. Black people do just the opposite when you ask them to obey. They disobey. So now the reason why the family is broken up is because in the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, where, it, where our paths go slightly different, is I don't teach familyism. I teach tribalism. Meaning, I teach that all the children in the community are everybody's sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters become mine when you come in this community, and I'm as responsible for them as you are for my children. We don't believe in going home after Thursday night meeting and everybody going to their separate little cubular called an apartment, and then we got to start coming to the mosque to impress each other. We try to live for, of, and by each other, like Sheikh Daoud had taught. That's all we're telling people, is that either you're of this world or the next. Either you live for the things of this world or you live for Yabit Ahri and Jannah. And if you want to give up the things of this world to prepare yourself for the next world, you start by reducing your desires of the material things around you. Start there. Tell them it's not the pendant, it's the books. It's not the incense, it's the teachings that the man has. And tell them if they're not afraid, read it, you see. A lot of people are afraid to read our books. Because yeah. they hook you. When you start reading that all our publications, you get hooked. You say truth hurts. Truth is that. It hurts. A whole lot of people sitting in that room are saying, I wish I would have never picked up one of those books. You know, I, I, Lord I, knows I wish I would have just passed that brother on the street, didn't say nothing. Because when I opened that book, I thought it was sweet the first day. The first book was so sweet, I felt so great. And then they told me, you can't smoke, you can't drink, you got to cover your face, you got to wear a long white dress every day, a white cap, you got to move inside of a community. Then it started, all this sweet tasting truth started becoming quite bitter. Sure. <laughs> the whole lot of people who have been coming here for a thousand years and they ain't moved in yet. They make no attention to moving the community. Just coming in, stopping up knowledge and stopping up knowledge. They ain't fooling nobody but yourself because you are hooked. People leave the mosque, they go out in the street and they say, I hate that place, I don't like this, I don't like this. And they, you know, four months later, you see them back in the street. That's the brother. Hey, that brother, the one I saw in the studio, Lester was talking about him. He's back in there. <laughs> As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salam. Al-Iqra, bismi rabbika l-ladhi khalaq. Khalaq al-insana min alaq. Iqra wa rabbuka al-akram. Al-ladhi allama bil-qalam. علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم صدق الله العظيم Those are verses 1 through 5 of Salat al-Allah from the Holy Quran chapter, Separation of Self. Now the 96th, originally the first chapter, revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Translation by As-Sayyid Imam al-Hadiyah And it reads as follows. Begin all things with the illustrious names of Allah, the heel of the most merciful. O seal of the Prophet of Allah, Muhammad, by the supreme sovereignty of your sustainer, creator. 
you are being ordered to read. Uh, beginning with the name of your illustrious sustainer who created all things. He Allah created all human beings of a separating cell. So read because your sustainer, Allah, is most generous. He uses the quill to teach. He Allah taught human beings what they would have never known. You have been listening to the true life with Asaid and Imam Israel had the American Islamic people mission would like you to write or send questions to True Light, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 
We have to start saying Messiah. You have a Bible with you? No, I don't. It's important when you come, you bring your tools. <laughs> if you open the Bible to St. John's chapter 1, verse 41, he first finds his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted Christ. You see that? Yes. Now, what did that mean? That means that these people who were Jesus' disciples, and Christians use this chapter to death. They use this St. John's chapter 1 to death. That Jesus' own disciples knew that he should have been called the Messiah and not Christos from the Latin. You follow? So now, yes, yes is the answer to your question, and no. Revelation 1 tells us that the Jesus that they're expecting to come will be like him, not him. Revelation chapter 1 reads, The revelations of Jesus the Messiah, and as you see, they have Christ, which the Creator, which they have is God, gave unto him, gave unto who? To Jesus. Right? That's right. Show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now the first point is that with this teaching, Jesus is talking about his servant. Jesus told a woman in Matthew 15, the story when Jesus is dealing with a Canaanite woman, he told her he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel only. So his servants would have to be the tribe of Judah, the lost sheep. But he was talking to all the rest of them. You see? Now, to show unto his servants, which must shortly come to pass. Which means there's going to be a future tense here. Things that did not happen during his life, but things that was going to happen in the future. Now here's the catch. And he did what? He sent it and signified it by his, who? His angel unto his servant, John. Right? All right, brother. <laughs> so what happened here, and Christians tend to overlook, is that the revelation of Jesus, the Messiah, which the Lord gave unto him for his servant, Jesus sent it, signifying it with an angel unto John. This angel that Jesus sent it, signifying it by, was none other than the angel Michael, who has a power throughout the book of Revelations. Like if you go to Revelation chapter 12, he has the power to defeat Satan. Chapter 12. 7 of Revelation, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. You see that? Yes, I see it. And the dragon fought and his angels. So here we have Michael and some angels of his 
who are fighting against this dragon and his angels. Who is the dragon and who are his angels? Well, eight says, and prevail not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So that means that these dragons and his angels was cast out of heaven at this point. And the great dragon was cast out. That old what? Serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. You see that? Yes, I see it. So Michael was an angel who was back there in the beginning. However, when these people deal with St. John chapter 1, and we go back to St. John chapter 1, and start from the beginning, we're going to see this beginning story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the Creator, and the Word was the Creator. The same was in the beginning with the Creator. <laughs> you see? The angel Michael was back there in the beginning, and one of the angels of Michael was the angel Gabriel, who was also back there in the beginning, who fought against Lucifer and his fallen angels. And the angel Gabriel was the angel sent to Mary to tell her that she was going to conceive of the Holy Ghost, which would be Jesus, the Messiah. What people are looking for in the return of Jesus is the return of is Jesus sending forth an angel in his likeness. And people will mistake the angel for Jesus. You follow that? Yes, I do, brother. Salam alaikum. Walaikum salam. Uh, I'm somewhat confused, but this is Exodus I'm looking at, and there's a conversation between the Lord and Moses. Where are we at in Exodus? I'm in um, Exodus, I mean, yes, Exodus 3, the 13th verse. There's a long conversation between Moses and the Lord. It's God, the Lord. The 13th says, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. I better let that go at that. Like I said, I'm a little confused. What, what, tell me what confuses you. Pardon me? What part of it is confusing you? Well, I'm not a scholar in, uh, in scripture. Yeah, I understand. Or in religion. Yes. So I just thought that I would uh, ask the question, since you spoke of Minister Farrakhan and and he said that God, the original man, is the black man. So that would mean that black man is God. And when I look in, um, in the Bible, I have searched God just about all my life, whether he was uh, black, Caucasian, or whatever. So the question is, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, Right? When I come unto the children of Israel yes. and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. 
and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Yes, correct. All right, what is the question? And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me. All right. So now, the God who said back then to Moses was a man. Am I right? No. The Lord? No. Who was speaking this was not a man? No. Okay, so maybe... Now you, you find could, out? Okay, maybe you could explain. <laughs> yeah. Go back, to the, go back to the beginning of Exodus 3. Okay. You see the beginning of Exodus 3? Where are you? Exodus, Exodus 3. Now Moses. You? <laughs> now Moses... Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, yes. his father-in-law. This was in the land of Midian, right? Yes. And the priest of Midian. And he led his flock where? To the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even in Horeb. Is that Horeb? Is that uh? That's a place. That's a place. That's where, a that's a specific spot on a mountain where Moses received revelation. Where is that? It's in Sinai. But let's go on so we can hear what happens. Okay. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame. Now who appeared to Moses? According to. The angel of the Lord, sir. That's right. And the angel of the Lord was speaking out of the burning bush. Okay. The point I'm trying to make is many times in the scriptures, when it speaks of the Creator doing a specific thing, it always, the people who just read, shows you that the angels of Him is doing. The Malaik of Allah Ta'ala does His work. Right. And they were men. And they can personify as men. Okay. Certain ones. But they are angelic beings, Malaik. They have the power, if Allah grants, to personify as human beings. They are what you refer to when they get into the Earth's atmosphere as extraterrestrials. You understand? They reside in various pockets of the universe. They they come from what's called the Crystal City, which goes into a deeper thing. All right? So it is quote in the Bible. When it's talking to Moses, speaking with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's through his angel, either Mikael or Jibrael. In this case, it's Jibrael. They were the most powerful angels. The highest of all of the angelic beings from Malakut is Mikael. Because Mikael like means like El, and that's from Ilam or Ilahim or Allah. He's like Allah insofar as he has the power to sustain himself on earth. He came to Abraham he, in the Torah, in, in Genesis. He came to Jesus. He came to Moses. He came to Muhammad. He came Khidr in the Holy Quran. He has Mikael, and he's called Melchizedek, or El Khidr, Michael, okay? And then he has an intergalactical name, and his intergalactical name is Yanun. Every one of the prophets, when they are out of the physical and into the spiritual realm has an intergalactical name. Esau's name is Sananda when he's out of this. You understand? Yes, my Lord. So we're talking about angels who are who can personify in human beings as human beings and speak in representation of the creator of the heavens and the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Okay? I hope yes, I hope Lord. you understand it. Thank you. Thank my, you for the clarification. Mm-hmm. So I Imam, did you meet Melchizedek at the junction of the two nouns, like the Matthew? At the time when I was being brought to the consciousness of who and what I am, I met him at Tuti, not knowing at the time who he was. I just thought he was an old man. And he told me at, that this thing, and whatever, I, whatever he said, if you have the sue of answers, think, and I'll be there. I never knew at the time he meant that he was going to be in me moving outward. I thought he meant that if you need me, contact me. Just like you would. If you need me, contact me, and I'll let you know. I didn't know that young in my life who or what I am. It took me until I was 40 years old to realize that I was speaking to a reflection of myself. I had no idea. Thank you. What? Um, what purpose is the sacred ash serve in paradise? The sacred ash serves no purpose in what you know as paradise. But in the, in the celestial or crystal city, there is incense that burns. And the ash from the incense can be transported down to earth plane as a sign this person is in tune with that higher city. There's a city above the earth called the crystal city which sometimes is mistaken for the mothership. The mothership or the ship that has the little ships in it come out of the Crystal City. Crystal City is right above the earth and has been there for centuries. And it's a whole city. You call it the city of Jerusalem when you say it's going to come down out of heaven, etc. So there's incense burning there, material incense as you know it. All right? And ashes from that incense is the, what comes down as what you call the sacred ash. Okay? Yes. I have one question here. What kind of battle will take place with Michael and Satan? And where will it take place? Question is, what kind of battle will take place with yes. Mikael and Shaitan? Or yes. which kind did take place? Because remember, they had a battle already in the heavens, in Malakut. And he was cast down. Okay? Well, the question is, what kind of battle will take place? In the latter day. Yeah. And this is understood that you have read throughout your scripture that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking you to get not less than and not more than 144,000 to be ready to be taken up in an Isra like Rasulullah was, to be taken out of here before this wind, the four winds of the earth are let loose for destruction on the planet Earth, because Shaitan is getting a grip of the planet. He's asking for not more than and not less than 144,000 that will be taken up, taken up, it says in the scripture, literally, taken up and taken to the crystal city, Alurat, taken right to the Medina, and there they'll stay for a thousand years and be groomed by the elders. Shaitan and his wicked angels, the cherubim, are going to try to come into that city to destroy that city and those special people taken from earth to be gowned in white. Him and his cherubim are going to try to take the city of the seraphim. You understand? Yeah. But they will be trapped. They will be baited like the story of Job. And then you will be cast into the earth because you have a central city in the sense of your earth. I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. 
You have a central sun. There's a city in the center of the earth called Agrata. And the capital of the city is called Shambhala. And the temple where they keep Satan trapped with that hexagram is called Wahala. He likes Muslims to rise a pentagram, which is a five-pointed star. But you can be trapped in the hexagram. In the six-pointed star, you can trap Satan. He'll be kept in that city for a period of time. The so-called Marillion, as they call it, the thousand-year period, that that 144,000 will be kept in the celestial crystal city to be groomed to get their godlike or divine qualities back in them before they descend back to earth with the Lamb, which will be the angel Michael who will bring them back to earth you see, Shaytan, like it mentioned in Revelation, is going to try to get up to that new city of peace and try to destroy that abode. That abode is called Darul Islam in the Quran. The abode of peace is not on earth. And in it are angels, they say in the Quran. Hariya. Those are seraphim and the masters, the awalina, the Quran says, the ancient ones. They are there to teach and try to get you prepared to come back in because you have to wipe away this earth and wipe away this heaven and bring in a new heaven and a new earth. So the battle will be fought because Satan is going to try to invade that very city, the crystal city, but shall be cast into the pit of the earth and down into the center of your planet. Like I said, there's a city. Inhabitants of the city are from Mu'alamaria, they're from Atlantis, they're from the Mayan people, different people where, who were taught by extraterrestrials or angelic beings and were taken into these cities. And they're there now, and the devil knows about it. And they would not even be on earth had it not been for 1945 when you people dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and it frightened the Galactical Brothers. Because you almost cracked the earth. So the elders had a meeting and came to the surface. You call them angels. How much you feel like? Came to the surface and said, we got to prevent the serpent seed. We call them the serpent person. The serpent and his seed from destroying you before you are ready. Before you are prepared. Before you are transformed back into a spiritual being. We got to stop him from destroying the other night when they saw that green light, and he said it was, he, it was a meteorite. No, better yet, I think it was a meteorite. It was no meteorite. I told y'all the ships are coming. I told you they're here. He didn't say it was a meteorite. There's no such thing as a green meteorite. Go back and study astronomy and show me somewhere where he told you about a green meteorite. He told you about pink stars, blue stars, and white stars. He never spoke about no green star. Or no green meteorite. And what kind of gas burns green? They burn blue, they burn yellow, they burn amber, but not green. Somebody's lying. So the battle that you spoke about between the elders is between those being prepared, the seraphim, under Mikhail, to suppress the cherubim, which is the 200 fallen angels, and you people on earth who are left behind because you don't come in and get prepared to make the transition from this state to the sacred city, you're going to be the playground of the devil. Do you know that the planet earth used to be a hunting ground? That the, the cherubim used to come here and hunt prehistoric animals to laser lights and kill them just for the fun of it? 
you have not only positive angelic beings visiting the planet, Arzu. Your galaxy is called Terra. It's called Terra. All right? That's the galaxy you're in. You're on what's called Zurkaya. Zurkaya, the name of your planet. All right? You have extraterrestrials. They become extra when they get inside here. Visiting you, all of them are not positive. Some of them are called jinn. From the Ifrit mentioned in the Quran, Solomon had big battles with these jinns who would come in and land here and they infiltrate man and corrupt the world. They mutilate animals. They come down and they mutilate animals. They hunt for the fun of it. They make themselves seen as UFOs and they hunt, they take people up, they abuse people. And then there are other galactical beings who are fighting against them, trying to get you people prepared, but you keep rejecting. You want all this fiction religion. You want to believe that Muhammad came with this new type of religion. When Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in contact with extraterrestrials, when the angel Jibra'el, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, came to the prophet Muhammad in the cave, he came as light, he came as an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian being. And he came to Rasulullah Muhammad as light and told Muhammad that man has fell away from the most important commandment. Who created him and when? So he told Muhammad, you better go back and ikra, ikra go back and read in the name of the very creator. You follow? But man refuses, man rejects. He's been tempted by the devil. And the devil and his seed is here, like I explained earlier, and man loves it. And like it says in the Bible and Revelation, he wants to even live in the image of the beast. I would like to know, why was um, the devil sent to another planet? Well, two questions. Why was the devil sent to another planet? And also, why is he, why is he captured? Why do they have to catch him and take him to Shambhala and bound him for a thousand years instead of just destroying him? Because energy cannot be destroyed. You can only alter its appearance. And what a lot of human beings don't realize is that what they call the devil was once an angel, Malak. And he was created of Nair, or a poisonous type of fire. It's not the same fire as you find on earth, but it's, for lack of a better word, that's all they can use. And you cannot destroy energy. You can only alter its appearance. Or you can refrain it. You can discipline it. You can confine it. Or you can channel it. Now, nowhere has it been said that he was sent to another planet. It was said that he has left this planet and has gone on to another planet. It has not been sent. You don't send the devil anywhere. You have to trap him. And he's trapped by what's called the hexagon, which is the symbol of the six-pointed star. Muslims all over the world, well, I shouldn't say that because most Muslims out of America don't use it. Mainly you find American Muslims who use a five-pointed star and crescent. Don't realize that it's a symbol of the devil. They think that the five-pointed star and crescent is a symbol of Islam because Elijah Muhammad or because Nobu Ali, or because some other brother told him that, and those brothers were misinformed about the symbol of El Islam, which 
is confirmed by the fact that in Holy Quran, it tells us that all of the prophets of Allah were from Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on back to Isa al-Masiyah, Jesus the Messiah, on back to Moses and all the way back to Abraham, all were of one text, one scripture, be it al-Suhuf or al-Hikmah or Torah or Zabur or Injil or al-Quran, they are all one scripture from one sustainer of all the boundless universes who is Allah Ta'ala. You understand? Yes. Therewith, then Dawood, David, who received the Psalms, was a Muslim, as the Quran confirms. You follow? Yes. And the spy-pointed star is not identified with any of the prophets of Allah in any of the scriptures, including the Holy Quran. There's no mention of a use of a five-pointed star by Muslims. However, it is understood through the Torah and mentioned the utilization of the six-pointed star, the hexagram that Solomon used to trap the jinn the Quran speaks of. You see? So he builds his empire on a pentagram. Or when he takes a country, he puts a new five-pointed star on his flag. The eye you see on the back of the dollar bill over the pyramid is the symbol of Nimrod. They knew that the elders used to use the pyramids to travel intergalactically. They knew that. They know how all the pyramids are hooked up magnetically a perfect distance apart. They know that what you refer to as the Bermuda Triangle is really a pyramid sending up magnetic waves. They know these things. And they put the eye of Nimrod there. And that is their God. That's the one that was crucified. That's who was born December 25th. Isa Ibn Miriam, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Where they get this snow in Jerusalem stuff? I don't know. I mean, they made it up. Because they were talking about in the Caucasus Mountain where there's snow. There. Not in Bethlehem. You see? All right. Thank you very much. Well, then, I'd like to ask you, um, the Universal Brotherhood of Muslims, uh, in our book, Adam's Calendar, is that the same brotherhood that you were speaking about previously? The Brotherhood of the Elders? Yes. Yeah. The Brotherhood of the Elders are called the Brotherhoods of Peace. Darul Islam is one of the names of the Christian city. Right? right? If you open the book of Revelation to the seventh chapter, you see it? Yes. And after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. These are the four ships. Holding the what? Four winds. Holding the four winds of the earth that what? That the wind shall not blow on the earth. That's right. Nor on any tree. Go ahead. And I saw another angel ascending from the, from the east, having the seal of the living God created. And he cried with a loud voice to four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our Creator in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, 
and there were still a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. But notice what tribe they start off with. Number five. Many people say to me, is this Israel? And I say, no. Here's why. But they don't start off with the first son of Israel. They start off with Judah. And of Judah. And of Judah were still 12,000. Then they add, when you get to the seventh chapter, they add Levi. You see? And Levi was not one of the tribes. That was a priest tribe. They add Manasseh, the son of Joseph. You follow? So it's, it's not talking about the tribes of Israel. It's talking about uh, people like the tribes of Israel. Now, in Hagar, you know, go past the, the, uh, the tribes and read nine. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. It is after the thousand year period when the righteous come forth, after the 144,000 have been groomed in the city, in heaven as you call it, then our people will come together and look up, all of them. And what's going to happen? Read them. And cry with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our Creator, which sit upon the throne and onto the land. That throne they're talking about is the sacred city. Go ahead. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped Allah, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory. Amen meaning it's over. Amen. It's over. Go ahead. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be on, and might be on to our, our Creator forever and ever. Amen. No more devil power at this point. Go ahead. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? We want to know about you people. The elders asked, well, who the heck are they? They're not angels. Who are they? And what's the answer? And then came there. Where they come from? How they get into the sacred city? Who are they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of, of the law, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them into living fountains of water. That's called fountains of water in paradise. And the Lord shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is what you're working for. The world, the destruction of this planet has been held back for you. Those people will get the seal of the Father in their head by consequence of prostration. Not those who will get the seal of the priest in their forehead or in their hand. But they'll tell you how will they down themselves. What does the master say they look like? In number nine, white. white robes. 
They know who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. They're waiting for you. You understand that? And they'll take you to the throne when you sit in the midst of the righteous. And the very presence of the Most High will be there. You feel His presence in the land. And there'll be no more devil rain or devil power. It'll be over. This is what you're working for. Most people don't want to get there. All right? You have been listening to The True Light, a question and answer session with Afaid Al-Imamisa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi. Remember that? And in the case of Jacob's seed, 
they started, like Judah and them, started marrying tribes of women who were Hittites, like Uri and them, who got certain tribes of the white race mixed in with Israel. And then these people bred from the original black man in there and became known as J-E-W Jew. That is the graftation of the devil. That is the making of the devil. You know what I'm saying? So when, when Clarence Thirteen X picked up the lessons of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and proceeded to teach about Yaakov grafting the devil, Honorable Elijah Muhammad was talking about the making of the Jew. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? So he just, what he was teaching was right and exact. It just that after him, people misinterpreted, exaggerated, and turned it into some fiction, and it lost its validity. But when he was teaching it, and he was using the strict lessons of the nation of Islam without the addition of plus lessons, which meant men added to it, other guys, and added the plus lessons and started interpreting the teachings, it got all confused. But Honorable Elijah Muhammad knew what he was talking about, and he was right and exact. Okay? That it was truth in It's unfortunate that the Sunni Muslims and other groups of people are not trying to see what Honorable Elijah Muhammad was really trying to say. They're busy trying to find fault, and they're not trying to really look into the depth of the meaning. He said he taught allegorically many times. I'm trying to wake up the dead, he kept saying. They want to pretend that it was literal, and everything he said was literal, when he distinctly said it wasn't literal in his teaching. That's because they're trying to defame the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. They're trying to defame Clarence 13X. They want to defame, brother, any black leader. You understand what I'm saying? Whether it's Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, Clarence 13X, Honorable Elijah Muhammad, or Imam Isa, or Warab B. Muhammad, they're going to get him too eventually. When they finish using him, they're going to turn on him. They turn on Farrakhan. They're going to say, if they can't buy us, they kill us. And the first way they kill us is called character assassination. They start making up rumors and lies about our character and breeding this into our congregation. And that's the devil at work. Don't let them do it. You understand? Honorable Elijah Muhammad was the greatest black man to put his feet down in America. And if Clarence 13X stuck close to the teachings of Honorable Elijah Muhammad and went into the world to raise a nation by percentage, who he called the poor rights to teachers from the lessons of Honorable Elijah Muhammad, then he too was a great man. And we got to respect both of them for what they did. And don't let the devil deceive us. Ain't no man greater than Honorable Elijah Muhammad. You follow and maybe the difference between a five percent nation, nation of Islam, was a little renegadeism, it appears, but that was necessary because Clarence Thirteen X was going for a specific group of people. He was trying to get the baby. One of his famous cliches was save the baby. Don't let these people turn you against your own. Please don't. That is the game they use. They make you character assassinated. They make you look for faults in them. You know what I'm saying? Let these men are our leaders, and they have passed on, and they were the law. Let's find the good in what Clarence 13X did and bring that to the surface. Let's find the good in what Malcolm X did and bring that to the surface. Let's find the good what Jesse Dowd did and bring that to the surface. Let's find the good what uh, Elisa Campos did and bring that to the surface. And I can't even say that about Honorable Elijah Muhammad, because I can't say let's find the good in him, because everything he did was good. And anybody who don't want to bear witness to it, that's your business. Not you per se, I'm talking all them stupid knucklehead students who want to say things about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad of Crown 13X ain't nothing but a bunch of fools. And them devils whose crumbs they're eating off the table are going to stab them in the back. Them same white boys that they followed in Saudi Arabia, just like they just did to Wells D. Muhammad. By whose standards? By some crazy nap or some nap brain truck from Saudi Arabia don't know whether he's a male or a female? And he's going to come and try to tell what we should do in 
the Lord's foundation about the tribes of Shabbat, the Nubian nation. He can tell us how we should think and what we should think of our leaders and how we should judge our leaders and who we should exalt and who we should slander. That's what the white man from Arabia will come and try to tell me and you this, and they're the same ones that stole you into slavery. That is slave case. Come on, man. Y'all think we are. Can a Muslim be fooled? Better believe it. You ain't fooling us no more. That you will not throw our leaders down any longer. They may have ran out to Tucson, Arizona, and killed that Egyptian brother, Rashad Khalifa, but if they come against the Nubian nation, they better come right. Now, the original Tents of Kedar is introducing a brand new Mackie collection of beauty and healthcare products. You must come home to your own, where you'll find a full line of products for the righteous who want to look good and stay healthy, too. Try our pure soaps, skin creams, hair pomades, toothpaste, and shampoos, which contain all natural ingredients. I would just like to um, have everybody in there acknowledge the death of a Muslim by the name of Rashad Khalifa that had a mosque out in Tucson, Arizona. And that uh, it's important that when a Muslim dies, and I say that because, of course, the Sunni Muslims say he's not a Muslim, because anybody who doesn't go along with their doctrine is not a Muslim. But this brother translated the Quran. Uh, he was an Egyptian professor, and uh, he perfected information on the number 19, uh, proving that the Quran has uh, a code in it. And might, maybe you all might not know about it. You know, some of you all who know who he is because I've been telling them about him for years. But those Sunnis managed to, to uh, assassinate him last week. They stabbed him multiple times in his mosque in Tucson, Arizona. This is the work of that same group that I've been telling you all about that are out to stop all black leadership for anybody from coming up teaching anything other than what is sanctioned through Saudi Arabia. And these people are the demons out here doing this. And the Quran in the fourth chapter and the 93rd verse, the 94th verse, and the 95th verse tells us that Muslims are not supposed to kill Muslims or anybody for that matter. But, of course, these men take it upon themselves, these human beings, to say that this man, Dr. Rashad Khalifa, is not a Muslim, so they can justify killing him. And every man has a right to his opinion. You follow? I'm saying it because it bothers me. These Negroes that work for these people, while these people are going out doing things like that. Because when they do things like that, what they're saying is that Allah is not capable because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supposed to remove people if they do wrong. Not the knife of no mortal who says he's doing it in the name of Allah. You understand what I'm trying to say? وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحتي والمجدد لنا المرسلين Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that he is alone and has no partners. 
And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the guide. And on the Mujaddid, the reformer, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. You're now listening to The True Light with As Sayyid Al Imam Isra Al Hadi and Mahdi. Why do Christians, um, how would you explain this to them? They believe that when they die, they automatically go to the Creator. You know, Christianity has always taught you know, kind of folks that they're going to die and go somewhere and you got to accept Jesus, Lord, and stay before your Christ and all that, you know, be them safe, you know, but how can you accept something you can't see? You know what I'm the best answer for that. Uh-huh. When a Christian walks up to you and says, you must accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you say, I do. Mm-hmm. And you pass them her body. You know why? Because they don't even know why they do it. So they now want to know why you do it. <laughs> so they don't have to answer. So when they say, you got to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, Jesus is Christ, you say, I do. You know what they say? Huh? Uh-huh. Wait, wait. What'd you say? Yeah. I thought you was a Muslim. Um, wait. Y'all believe in Jesus Christ? Sure we do. Y'all believe he's your personal Savior? Yeah. <laughs> now they want to question you, so they want to find out why you do, so they don't have a reason for the next time somebody asks them. Okay. Don't even try to answer the fool. Okay. All you do is answer him with an answer. You're right. We do. We believe that Jesus is our personal Savior. Right. We believe he was sent into the world to so prove the sin, to prove the world of sin, to establish the kingdom of righteousness. Yes, we do. We believe the 144,000 of our lives with him. And they will conquer the beast. We believe all of that. And they say, nah, bye. <laughs> and if they want the next chapter, like the soapbox, I will catch me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But you got to read the TV guide first. And read them one of the books. Uh-huh. So read this, and you get the next chapter in soapbox after tomorrow. <laughs> Stop feeling you got to answer all their questions. Uh-huh. Put the questions to them. Reverse it now. Okay. And ask them, uh-huh. who is Jesus? Where is he? How do we know him? Uh-huh. And let them start talking fantasy. It's inside. Uh-huh. You follow that? Yeah. And it was inside from the Baptist and the Pentecostal and the Lutheran and the Jehovah Witnesses and all the other diverse. And each one you speak to will tell the other one's heart. So before y'all can get me, y'all got to get yourself together. Yeah, me and different Christian churches, everybody's saying the right thing. Right. Jesus is our personal Savior. He's coming to save us. Coming from where? Right. That's the question. Where is he coming from? <laughs> if you're simple, just don't let them intimidate you. Right. Question them. They say, you, you see that spirit questioner. If they're speaking to you in the name of Jesus Christ, question them. Mm-hmm. Okay. If Jesus was dying on the cross for your sin, right? Right. He wouldn't have been crying for his own. Refer to the book of Matthews, 
chapter 27, verse 46. <laughs> and so he's on the cross dying for your sins and crying to say, oh, my father, why have thou forsaken me? And Jesus was born the son of God. Born the son of God, God in flesh. How can he say, why have thou forsaken me? That's what he was born to do. They say the thing that Jesus was spending the world and died for your sins. Right. Then when he came ready to die, he says, why have thou forsaken me? <laughs> I was even mistaken if that's what he came to do. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I see. And Jesus told him, man, I will be with you. Well, the thieves next him. I will be with you in heaven this day. Refer to the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 43. Right? Right. Then how was he going to be in the earth, Peter, in three nights? <laughs> no, you're going to be in the earth, Peter, in three nights, say, it's now Friday. I'll be with you in every Wednesday. <laughs> you can't I'll be with you in heaven tonight. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going to be in the world. And then not the most important question is if Jesus got resurrected in the form of a spirit, uh-huh. there would be no reason to move the stone. Refer to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 2. Uh-huh. And if he left his impression on a shroud, he would have left it on the stone too. <laughs> Why are they playing these little white lie games with us? Right. What they call it? Oh, they call it the greatest story ever told. Yeah. And that's true. Uh-huh. It's the greatest lie they ever told. <laughs> the greatest story ever told is that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Mm-hmm. You know what they say, Christianity? The wages of sin are death. Right. Refer to the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. And man is born of sin. They say, you're born, you got to drop this then. <laughs> if you're born of sin and the wages of sin is death, as soon as you go in the world, you're going to drop this. <laughs> <laughs> I can go on like this, you know. There's so many mistakes they made. Uh-huh. Jesus lied in the Bible. Mm-hmm. After Christians go to go, whoa. <laughs> Come on, but I'll show you. Uh-huh. Jesus met Mary Magdalene in the morning. He had his back to her after the so-called resurrection. And she walked up to him and asked him, Have thou seen the master? And he turned around and said, Behold, thy master. She said, Master, I thought that thou was a gardener. You know that section in the Bible, right? Uh-huh. Refer to the first book of John, chapter 20, verse 7. What did he do after that? Nothing. He just stood there. So she reached out to touch him. And he said, don't touch me yet, because I have not ascended to my father. Mm-hmm. But go tell the disciples I did. <laughs> and then it says right about him. Somebody lied. He said, I didn't ascend. The next day she saw him. He said, don't touch me, because I didn't ascend. But go tell my disciples I did. Mm-hmm. Now why did Jesus have to tell them? That he didn't ascend, but tell him he did if he did. If he had already ascended, he just said, go tell him I ascended, you saw me. Mm-hmm. If he didn't ascend, he should say, I didn't ascend yet. Unless he was afraid of some people saying, I ascend, <laughs> they mean God. Right. So what Jesus said is, don't touch me. They didn't kill me yet. But don't tell anybody if they did. <laughs> Why? Because if he didn't, the Romans would say, oh, he got away. Right. Let's go get him. <laughs> That's why he told them to say, 
what I have ascended. And from that statement, they fabricated this whole resurrection thing. And he couldn't even prove to his disciples just because he said, hey, put your hand on my wound, see I'm physical. Uh-huh. He crossed the desert with them and broke bread with them, ate with them, and many spirits have to eat. Jesus said, my food is out of this world. Angels do not sit down and eat bread unless they come in the form of a man. So Jesus was resurrected in that stage and in the form of a spirit like Paul said he saw him. Then Jesus would not have been eaten in the upper room with his disciples. Where's the food going to go? He's a spirit who's dropped on the floor. Refer to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 41. <laughs> these people make these things up. Uh-huh. It doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. I've been spirit eating a sandwich. <laughs> he has to have a digestive system, a stomach, the whole thing. The sandwich is matter. And he's mostly anti-matter. Where does the, what's the whole sandwich? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Right. It, 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 I'm just saying that because it's so simple. The truth is so simple. It's so clear they're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, you got to use your common sense, and you can see that's the most uncommon thing there is, by the way, common sense. Uh-huh. But if anybody would just sit down and think and read close, all I'm doing is quoting your things written that you can see. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, again, if Jesus was God, all I want a Christian to tell me is who was he praying to in the garden? And he was God, and he fell on his face and prayed, who was he praying to? His father, and his father was God, and he wasn't. And he said, then we started, said he's not God, but he's the son of God. Mm-hmm. And it says in the Bible, Adam was the son of God, too. And David was the son of God. Then we established, and him saying, our father, and all men are the son of God. So he didn't establish himself as any better than any other man. Mm-hmm. That's when he gets confused. Okay, um, in the book of John... Uh, 32 to 34, chapter 10, says, Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou being a man maketh thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I say your gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of the law came, and the scriptures cannot be broken. Or is he saying men are God? Exactly. Jesus is saying all men are God. Why would he say that? Because of the same thing he is. It's like the Christians understand that the Spirit of God was in Jesus. Right? Now, when you read in Genesis, he says, I blew into man of my spirit, and man became a living soul. So, where is the Spirit of the Lord placed? Into you and me. Don't be looking up in the sky for the spook, it ain't there. The Spirit of the Lord is moving with inside you and outside of you. And through you and around you. But he has given you a portion of divinity so you can recognize it when it comes. But Jesus was moved by the Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. And everybody here can be full of the Holy Ghost. But you must have your soul restored. That sounds funny. Jesus said that too. You must be redeemed of the dead. The resurrected. Have your soul restored. David mentions that right in the Psalms. He mentioned what he said. 
He restoreth my soul and leadeth me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. A lot of people are moving on the path of righteousness for their own name's sake. You must turn toward the truth for the Lord's name's sake, and he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Jesus is saying it right there. He pointed out very clearly that man is God incarnated just like himself. But he never called him Elohim. He couldn't call him the divine creator because Jesus said, now understand this, I want you to pray this way. Right? Our Father who art in heaven. So he didn't make a distinction between man calling himself God and the heavenly Father. You see the difference there? Our Father in the Lord's Prayer who art in heaven. What did he say about that? Next. We all know this prayer. What's in that verse? Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed or holy is thy name. Is that his name? Was he talking about himself? He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Then what did he say? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not his will. Not Jesus' kingdom. Why is it your witness saying Jesus is coming instead of the king and he didn't say that? He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus said. So we got to try to live on earth as if we're in heaven. We got to live without sin to be born again. When Jesus would heal somebody, you know what he would say? Now go and sin no more. We got to bring the heaven to the earth and live on earth as if we are in heaven in order to inherit that kingdom. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Stop storming things. Jesus said to live day by day, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. He said, He said, lead us not into temptation. He knew the devil was going to tempt us. Why did he say that two statements out to give us this day our daily bread? Because he knew by what means the devil was going to tempt us. By our work habits. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He walked up to them and said, drop your nets and become fishers of men. These men were fishermen by trade. They lived by great fish to support their family. He said, drop your nets and become fishers of men. You see that? Stop telling me what you're doing in the world. Tell me what you're not doing in his world. Stop telling me why you're not here. And tell me why you don't want to be there on the judgment day. Give us this day our daily bread. Go ahead. What's the next line? Forgive us our trespass and we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. How long did Jesus say? He said, forever and ever. Amen. And he ended it right there. 
Amen in Hebrew. Amen. So it be true. Now Jesus called the Father our Father, including every man on earth. And he called man God. Because the Spirit of God moves in that man that's saved. He said, just open your mouth if you don't know, and God will speak through you. Jesus said, I am my own accord, can do nothing. Don't you see what's happening? The Spirit of God will move in any man. If you open up and let him in, but you must stop sinning. You can't have God moving in your name, go sin. Not at the reaper, go drink some alcohol the next day. You have to live in righteousness on the day that you make the commitment to God. Many people are born again, and then they fall right back to sleep. The Bible Corinthians says they fall back to sleep. They get full of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit moves them this week, and next week they back out in the, the steep doing devilishment. Happens all the time. You got to move and quick when that Spirit grabs you. It's a quickening Spirit. When you feel that Spirit, you got to move right there and say, that's when you got to call out that you acknowledge the presence of the Lord in you. You got to feel that spirit moving in when it does That's why they got hallelujah. <laughs> and when that spirit moves inside your body, it says hallelujah. Which is job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy is Yahweh. Holy is he, is what it translates. So when the spirit moves, say, holy is he. <laughs> the spirit has moved me. He restores my soul. You need to be the pride of righteousness for his name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Well, he said. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, he did refer to man as God. But he also made a very clear distinction between God, Son, and the Heavenly Father. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or called Elohim, as they translated it, is the heavenly father, only ye are God. Is it not written in your law, I say ye are God? Another really important point, another new point in relation to Jesus the Messiah, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is a quote used in Isaiah 53. Have you opened the Torah of Isaiah 53, you get the they pray for Judaic, as they refer to it, their interpretation of what the Messiah would be. The actual prophecy used by all of the Christian churches is right here. And they keep saying that this Isaiah 53 is applying to Jesus. I'm quite sure you all heard it. Someone read it out loud and says, follow it and see what happens. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. That's the point I want. Okay. Number seven of Isaiah 33. Read it again. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. The last line says, Yet he opened not his mouth. Now all Christians agree that this is Jesus. Correct? No. Because they use this to describe the prophecy of Jesus' coming. And they overlook that last line. 
this person who was being oppressed, this person that was being afflicted, which is what you were speaking about a minute ago, the trial of Jesus. When Jesus is supposed to be on trial, what did it say here that he would do? Open out his mouth. He would not speak in defense of himself. He would not open his mouth to defend himself. Is that correct? Yes. Now, keep that spot and turn your Bible to to John's 18:23. Got it. Huh? Uh-huh. Now read what happened. Before the Sanhedrin, and they're questioning this man that they say is Jesus. See what happens here. Um, verse 23? Yes. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smite thou me? Now go back and read 22. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers was stirred by and struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answer us thou the high priest so. Okay, wait a minute. Jesus is answering questions because he's being afflicted. He's being persecuted for who he is. Right? Uh-huh. And he is at this point answering the questions to these people. Correct? Uh-huh. Or this person who they say is Jesus, who's on trial. Correct? Uh-huh. Go back to Isaiah 53, number 7, and read it again. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he did what? Yet he opened not his mouth. Now, which one of these is wrong? <laughs> Isaiah says this person didn't speak to defend himself. And the New Testament is saying the person that's in the company of the friends of the and the Pharisees being questioned is defending himself. I want to ask y'all, which one of these is wrong? Is the Torah, the old scripture, with the prophecies wrong, or is this new scripture by these newfound men wrong. And if this is Jesus in custody, then is it a contradiction to Isaiah 7, or did Jesus never get into custody because he never opened his mouth to defend himself, and this other person who is in custody is not Jesus? You see? <laughs> Read it again. Okay. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Now, in case they doubt who we're talking about, read on. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. You see what they say? <laughs> Go ahead. And as a sheep before his shearers. Keep going. His shearers is dumb. Uh-huh. So he opened not his mouth. Now, this person here in Isaiah who speaks of the prophecy of the Messiah did not and would not speak to defend himself when being attacked by his oppressors. Is that what the Bible says? Yes or no? Now, who is therefore are they speaking to in John 18, 22, 23? Ask the Christians that question. When you around them there, ask them, does the prophecy of Isaiah 53 apply to Jesus? And if they say yes, you read the whole chapter. And when you get to seven, ask them, preacher, explain this to me. If the Bible says he wouldn't defend himself, he, unless he spoke without opening his mouth now, there's always, there's always those that's going to say, well, what happened is Jesus just started asking he didn't open his mouth. Oh, but if they want to be honest, they can't defend him. You see it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This is to show you that there's definitely 
a gap between that which is prophesied in Torah and that which is man written in the New Testament. And sorry, most Muslims are confused as well as Christians because they think when we say in jail, we're talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So they say we believe in the angel too. <laughs> and the angel evangel is only the book of Revelation, which is the only text that describes the way the Messiah would do things, which does not work in accordance with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not to mention the, the, the books made up by Paul, like Corinthians and Hebrews. But there are truth in all of them. But you have to know how. That he who has the ear here, seeing with eyes and not seeing, hearing with ears and not hearing, they use. You understand? I do. Let's see. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't also like to know who, who are the people that told us to display the real in Africa, there were several different slave trades, and all that was not done the way they depicted it in the movie Roots. What they did depict in the movie Roots is that there were two different types of slaves. One was a Muslim, and this is when the, the rebel went to the woods at night and found an old man banging on a Congo, and he said to him, Assalamu alaikum. They admitted by that statement that the ones that were rebelling the slaves that were rebelling, not good luck. The ones that were rebelling were Muslims. The ones that accepted the white man abuse were the ones who came from the Congos and Central and, and, and West Africa. What he did is he had certain slaves who was brought into Haiti, and you look at the Haitians and you see they still have their Ghanaian and their Nigerian characteristics. Then if you move into the Caribbean and go to Trinidad and Jamaica, you're going to find a different type. You're going to find blacks who look like Arabs from Sudan, Ethiopia, and Somali, and Nubia, which is the original home of all of them. All right? He took the slaves from Nubia and brought them here to rule all the slaves that he had brought from the Congo who were idol worshipping. And he fed them because they was into Juju or Voodoo. So he went to a place where there was monotheistic mentality and brought them here to rule and called them house niggers and put them in the house because they were Muslims and they had this culture of washing and they were read, they were learned, they read the Quran and they met here because they, when prayer time came, what they had in common regardless of what part of Africa they came from or what part of what province of Sudan, Ethiopia, Somali, they met in power because they all spoke Arabic, and they read the Quran. That's how they became familiar. He used their women, called them Nana, from Abraham's mother's name, Nuna. Right? And they, they called them the nannies, and they were the ones used to educate the white kids, taught them how to clean up. Now, the white man gives the implication that black people are so filthy, yet you have black men in this house as butlers. And, and black women raising Shirley Temple <laughs> to jump up in the bottom of God's face. And so he must have sought you as hygienically well-preserved and, and influential in order to allow his children to be in your hands from, from a young father. So there's various different same traits. Don't let him lock you into that fantasy that just, you know, if he went to Africa and pulled you out the tree and you was all the women was 
breasted, had deep scars in their face and plates in their lips, and was jumping around and making noise and banging on drums. When we were performing operations in Timbuktu, we built the pyramids in, in Africa and South America and Pakistan. We were traveling from continent to continent. And if you look back in the late 19th century, when he first learned how to fly, you could see his mentality. He got two pieces of cardboard and jumped off a cliff. They showed right on television. He just ran and jumped and smashed on the ground. He didn't have no technical information, no kind of knowledge of aviation. He just got bicycles with wings on the pedal before he would fly. Because he had seen this done and had read about it, and especially the people who are Masonic, who brought the certain orders out of the Eagles, like the Columbus. A lot of these people had information from the ancient tablets that had been passed on to them from monads, which is an Athenian. And these people really tried to probe into our type of information, which they never figured out. They still don't know how we built the pyramids. They can't even figure out how y'all survived the drug traffic. They can't figure out how y'all survived the mental poisoning and all the different things that you've been subject to to still be able to come out saying you're a Muslim. He doesn't understand that. Saying you're a Hebrew. He doesn't understand that. We will return with the true light after this brief intermission. Now is the time to ask questions of your leaders, teachers, and preachers. Where did all the races of people come from? Why did John have to baptize Jesus at the Jordan? And why do the four Gospels contradict each other? The answer to these questions can be with only one man, a Sa'id al-Imamisa al-Hadi al-Mahadi. The man who has written over 150 books on such topics as, is there life on other planets? How were the pyramids built? What race was Adam and Eve? And was the Holy Quran made up by Muhammad, or was it a divine scripture sent from the Most High? And what is the difference between the spirit and the soul? The answer to these questions can be found in the most dynamic books in history, authored by As-Sayyid al-Imamistal Hadir Mahdi. These books can be purchased at the original Tenth of Peter, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Peace. Excuse me. I want to know what a curse is. I mean, it's not an abracadabra method. I mean, I want to know what a curse is and how to Allah, through Noah, curse canon. Now, when you ask a question like, what is a curse? Being uninformed, being a, a baby is the truth. The problem comes up in language again. What happens with you people is you got to bear in mind that in order for you, divine, to get a divine understanding, I mean, or to derive the truth from anything, you must go back to three stages. Sometimes it's called Trinity to some people. And break down the language you was in, the meaning that surrounds it, and the place and culture that surrounds it. You understand that? A sin in America is totally different from a sin in an Arab country or even in Israel or in China. <laughs> the culture reflects what a sin is. All right? Now, in the time of Rasulullah Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam, 
for one Muslim to look upon a nude body of another Muslim was also a sin. You follow? However, in America, <laughs> which is very funny, women will go on the beach in bikini bathing suits, exposing 95% of their body, and if you knock on their door and they have a slip on, they'll run and hide. You see? So the concept of a sin in relation to morality is different by culture. We have in Arabic many words for curse. Some of them merely mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger. Another can mean a raft. Another can mean rejection. And even another can mean a damnation. What do I mean? We say, But notice how he did it. He 
he put a curse on the four sons of the man who committed the crime. Ham committed the crime, but Cannon got the curse. Why the fourth son? Because if you know anything about genes and genetics, when breeding, the change always comes out in the fourth generation. Not the first son, not the second son, not the third son, but the fourth is always the pollinated or changed gene when programming. He knew when he said, curse be Ham, see Cannon, it out of Ham's fourth son that curse would manifest. And the power of that curse is as simple as when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Noah put his hand in his bosom and put it out and it was leprous. Or his sister do the same thing. Allah has the power to do that. You follow? So he said that the prophet did it with the, with the, through the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, just by virtue of the fact that Nabi Noah alayhi salatu wa salam was Nabi Allah and that Ham violated the divine code of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by contemplating a sodomy with his father. He brought the plague of Allah upon himself through the prophet Nabi Noah So if Cannon had leprosy when he came out of his mother's womb, wouldn't she have Well, Cannon came out albino. He came out an albino. Right. And being white, white hair, white eyes, white eyes and everything, he was rejected, Rajin. He had a necrosomnian. He was rejected by his people, and he migrated up into the mountains, like it mentioned, in through the class of the Quran with his sister Selha. Only because back then, when a man and woman was born, who they were going to marry was already assigned to them. It's not like today, where you go to a party and discover your wife. Certain people married into families and tribes and customs, and they kept it that way. So when she was born and he was born, they said the sun was a lion and the moon was a lion, so therefore, you, this is to be your wife when you go up. And she had no say so, unfortunately, in those days. But she was, she was uh, of the dominant species. She was, she was black. So then, and, and he was recessive. Wouldn't the black dominant, I mean, how did they No, not necessarily. A, a white woman and a black man can have a light-skinned kid depending on the last three generations. That's why it's every fourth generation. So when you're looking at a person as dark as yourself, depending on what your grandfather, grandfather, grandfather was, can determine whether or not your child is born with light eyes or light pigmentation in their skin. This is determined by your genes also, not just you standing there. So you can take two real dark-skinned people and bring them together, and they give forth a light-skinned child because of what's in their genes. You follow? And remember, they had not been in the ark for a generation. Okay? So how did they get this negativity? I mean, I mean, how did who get the negativity? The eleven sons that he had. How did they get this negativity? Uh, if you read on the book, you'll see that the eleven sons of uh, of uh, Canaan were possessed by eleven of the unholy angels that fell from grace and used them as instruments. Now, the devil took their took their bodies the same way the devil can take. People's bodies today, you see them roam in the streets totally possessed and use them as instruments of his work. 
I have one more question. How did this? I mean, he wasn't. It was. He wasn't really molded like from the Earth's crust because he said when I was reading in the canon of why he came down and he sent certain angels to him and had the Earth was saying, please, please, please don't don't dig at me and make this being out of me. I mean, it wasn't really like that. But I'm saying, how did this fungus grow about us and how did we get attached to it? And how, you know. All right, that's a very good question. Scientists prove to you that the physical anatomy is nothing but a bacteria, right? And that your body is composed of bacteria and germs. In fact, the, the enclosures of your body are the nastiest parts of your body. The parts that you think is the cleanest, like somebody don't put in my mouth. That's nasty. Your mouth is nasty than anything you can put in your mouth. More bacteria and disease live in your mouth and in your ears and in the cavities of your body than any place else. The body is bacteria that is plaguing your spirit. And it grows stronger by your feeding it. If you feed it a lot of junk food, it'll grow inside out. That's what I mean by it'll grow inside out. That means it's healthy, and if you feed it junk food, the poison inside will grow outward and eventually kill the body. So therefore, bad food will turn you inside out. You understand? Mm -hmm. If you eat the right diet at the right time, you can therefore control the physical body and give room for the mind to take over. Because a vehicle is a piece of metal until a man starts to drive it. So it is with the human body. The human body is a vehicle. It's merely a piece of plasm, protoplasm, and organs until a spirit starts to drive it. Part of the law, who kind of what the island wants from the person is the driver. He's not interested in the making your car. So you can pull up with a Rolls Royce, and another one can put up in a, in a Lamborghini, another person can pull up in a Volkswagen, and they all pull up and they all got there at the same time. If a man takes care of the car, the car will run. When Allah speaks about the creating of the body, he also uses the word Ja'ala. He uses the word Kalaka to bring about something brand new, which is the nest of the person, the spiritual part, and Ja'ala to make something. Making things are to use things that are here, put together, building blocks, and construct them. Man is a process of evolution over a period of time. Of the growth of, of his ego, his greed, his selfishness, getting getting stronger and stronger in the body, and weaker and weaker in the spirit. So when they think about the earth rejecting the responsibility of helping to magnetize the molecules that would form the body of this new creature. It was thinking about nature trying not to build this sandcastle. The sandcastle is the body of Adam. And as they stacked him up, the stones fell. They refused to be a part of the construction of this new being. Why? Because the Holy Quran says that the angels of Malachi Ask the Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala about this human creature, what they say. What are you going to make? Something which is going to cause mischief and bloodshed in the land? Say it again. What are you going to make? Something which is going to cause mischief and bloodshed in the land? Now, that's it. That's exactly a good, a good translation. The angels want to know what this new created being caused mischief and shed blood in earth. Now, you and all the people in that room, 
are a part of this creature that the angels are asking about because they're talking about Adam and Eve, the mother. Correct? Since the creation of Adam and Eve, has man caught mischief? Has man shed blood? So the question that the Malayan angels put before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne has manifested as a reality. Also a prophecy that yes, he's man. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered the angels, did he say yes or no? He said, I know what you know not. He said, I already know what's going to happen. And they said, glory be to you. They stopped at that point, you see. So the mystic and the shedding of the blood is what the earth rejected, the nature and the elements did not want a part in the, the, the composition of this new creature who was in the image and the likeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without self-control. That's what's wrong with the human being. He has all the intellect, but he lacks self-control. And the devil knew that human beings lack self-control. So his biggest commodity is advertising. He can seduce you through the television and the radio with advertisements and make you do anything he wants you to do. He appeals to man's nature. He says, God, just know that in the day you eat, there of your eyes shall be hope open and you shall be as God. No one could believe a man says, I'll be like God. I can create my own Adam and Eve and punish them and do it. And ever since then, my children, you have been like God, creating your own Adam and Eve and punishing them. You just call them your children the same way he called you his children. You know good from evil, but you decide to do what pleases you over what is right or what is wrong. You see, the earth contested against this. The earth refused to be a part of this. You understand what I'm saying? That's what it's talking about. I'm not talking about the ground laying there, you know, and saying, uh, listen, angel, this little white baby with these wigs, I don't want no part of this. Nature versus man. If you don't think nature versus you, run downhill and watch the sensation that says, come on, faster, faster. Try to run downstairs in the dark. What do you think it is that makes you try that extra leap? I know I can jump over that thing. And then you fall on your face. And nature laughs. I know I can take that extra drink. I know I can take that extra, that extra mile. I'm going to stop using drugs after this one. I'm going to stop smoking me for this my last night. I'm not going to drink no more after I finish this bottle. This is my last pack of cigarettes. Nature has you all seduced into your own self-destruction. And you glorify her and say, oh, Mother Nature. <laughs> All Mother Nature is the wife of the devil. That's the one that makes that person take that foot and put it on the gas pedal a little bit faster because they're coming in a yellow light. I can make it through the light. Nature tries to line up a situation where he's two fools, you see, to try to come through two opposite lights at the same time and smash to the accident and some innocent child in the back seat is thrown to the window and the devil celebrates. That's the way he worships. Okay? So you're saying Adam and Eve is not allegorical. These are two Adam and Eve were people, human beings. You follow that? Two human beings and out of their genes come man. And throughout the scriptures, they keep saying it as human beings. Some people have tried to translate Adam and Eve as groups of people. It's not in the Hebrew language or in the Arabic language. They're single and they're talking about human beings. You follow that? 
um, woman, how did Eve, I mean, he didn't take them from the rib, dude. He said that it was symbolic to how a woman is like the rib who's crooked. If you leave it, it'll stay crooked. And if you bend it, it'll break. This is the saying they say that Muhammad, Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that woman is like the bone in a rib cage. It's originally curved. If you try to straighten her, she'll break. All right. Symbolically, they're speaking about the nature of the woman. And where do you think she gets her nature? From men. You see that? And because woman was the first student, she is by nature curved. You see that? No. Okay. Everything she knew, she knew by way of you. Right. So she wasn't straight. So she was curved. We was crooked then. If she, huh? I mean, if she was reflecting out like that, we would give it. That means we're crooked then, right? Our interpretation of crooked. See, if man would give woman exactly what Allah gave man, it would be straight. But <laughs> man colors everything he says. When you talk to your woman and you speak about the truth, whenever she begins to question you, you have to color it with you to maintain your leadership in the relationship. If she starts asking questions that you can't answer, you might start making things up. To keep her from looking over your shoulder. You follow that? Yeah. Had Adam taught Eve what she was supposed to know about Allah and what he said, the devil would have not been able to seduce her. Right. So she was cursed. And Allah was willing for women to have that kind of nature. How does, how does women's nature curve? I'll give you certain curveballs in her nature. One is that Allah says that all of his creatures must pray five times a day, every day, correct? Correct. But a woman has her menstruation and is exempt from that. Allah says everybody must fast the month of Ramadan at a prescribed period of time. But had a woman just given birth or be breastfeeding, she is exempt from that and can make it up later. Everybody must be in the mind for Friday. However, they say, a woman if she's a mother and has children, she has to take care of at home. She's exempt from that, you see? So, in her nature, there's a curse. When you try to stand it, tell her, leave your kids and go to the mosque, she'll break. <laughs> you follow? Yeah. Okay. So, you said he, when he was created on a spiritual plane that he existed within Adam, there was one. He existed in man. The right. same way as you stand there right now, right. you have a daughter in you. In your X chromosome, there's a woman. And it's very easy for that woman to be stimulated when having sex relationships, which you ejaculate in the form of egg or sperm. And you give up chromosome X and chromosomes Y, which means that, was, that was in the essence of you, there was a male and female. In the essence of a female is only correctness. If the ex in you, the woman in you, reaches the woman in her, you have a daughter. Right? If the Y or the man in you reaches the X in her to the X and Y, you have a son. Why did Allah put a woman in a man? Because man was created in the image and likeness of Allah, correct? Yeah. Does Allah submit to anything? Does Allah bow to anything? 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had to put the mission in man in the form of an X chromosome. So that man, in all of his rulership and ego and divinity and power, would still submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has in his deed the power to submit in the form of an X chromosome. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I ain't got no more questions. Thank you. How did somebody that was brought up reading just the Bible, right? Now, I was told that if your eyes are not open to Islam, if you can't understand or you don't believe in it, it's because of your eyes are not, have not been opened. Now, I was brought up reading the Bible, and I was believing a lot of it, seeing the pictures of the Caucasian Moses and the Caucasian Christ until I very read it said Moses' hand was turned white as snow, and I said to have turned white, it must have been black. After that, I started reading the Quran. But it's something that I'm trying to find out. Is it somewhere in the Bible that I can find that'll give me, that'll let me see where Muhammad is going to come after Christ's love? Some somewhere where I that's a good question. Before I answer the question. Let me put another question out. Can that show me, to say not you, but the Christian who you come from, show me anywhere in the Old Testament where I can see Jesus' name being mentioned that he's going to come after Moses? No, there's nowhere. Is there anywhere in the Old Testament where I can find traces of the mentioning of a New Testament? Nowhere. Is there any place in the Old Testament where I will find Matthew, Mark, Luke, Paul, Barnabas, James, Andrew, Philip. Will anybody in the Christian denomination please show me amongst the children of Israel anywhere where these men were mentioned so as if I was to step over Jesus and back to Abraham and try to come down historically and got to Moses and Joshua and read the five books how would I know to expect this man that they call Jesus? And why should I listen to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John if they're not mentioned nowhere in the Old Testament? Nor did Jesus ever say, listen to them. So the point I'm doing is I'm reversing the question because everybody asks us concerning Muhammad. I'm asking them to give me the same courtesy that they that they'd like me to give them when they ask me to show them Muhammad in an Old or New Testament, which we can. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you the tools to ask them. Ask them, show us Jesus in the Old Testament and where it said he would come. And don't give me allegorical interpretations because I can pick any of a million allegorical interpretations in the Old Testament and say that was Muhammad. Okay? Um, I'm a Muslim. And I would like to know how does being born again relate to me as being a Muslim? To be born again means to be born of spirit. Be born, purified through water and fire. Why through water and fire? Because water was the destruction of the world in the beginning of Noah's time and fire will be the destruction of the world now. From the end, from Alpha to Omega, you can be born again. You can be saved. But you must be born again in spirit, not in body. It doesn't mean just acting like Muslim. It means being a peaceful person. Not taking the name Muslim as a title, but taking it as an assignment. 
and go out into the world and spread love and peace. This is what you're ordered to do. Walk with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Have the Holy Ghost moving inside you the way it moved inside Jesus and Moses and Muhammad and Buddha and Zoroaster and all the great sages and masters of all. That Spirit can move inside you and you can become filled with the Holy Ghost. Let it be the guide and the beacon that guides you through this world. If you don't do that, then don't expect to enter into paradise because paradise is a spiritual abode. You must transform from mortal to immortality at the speed of twinkling of an eye, the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says. You must be ready to make a transition from the physical world to the spiritual world. And if you're not ready to make a transition from the physical world to the spiritual world, when this physical world is removed and a new spiritual world comes in, you will not be here and you will be destroyed along with the physical world. <laughs> Thank you. 